it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Lisa likes the window seat at night, the lights below that tell her she's nearly home. Then there's the lights she can't see, the runway lights we power to bring her plane safely into land. And because at Energia we also power all of Ireland's streetlights, Lisa's taxi home is that bit safer too. And no prizes for guessing who powers her house. Welcome home, Lisa. Energia, the power behind your power. Everybody and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Jets Radio. This is one of your hosts, Tyson Roush, and we're, we have a jam-packed show tonight. We have two very special guests. The first one is former New York Jets linebacker and SNY analyst Chad Kiskadden. And we also have on Dean Barbella, San Francisco fan club uh, founder. So we have plenty to talk about. We have Muhammad Wilkerson reporting to minicamp, which is good news. We have the quarterback struggles. We have all kinds of good, all kinds of stuff to talk about. So. <laughs> Without further ado, let me introduce my co-host, Mr. Man of the People, Joe from Long Beach. What's up, man? What's going on, Tyson? I am a man of the people, and I love the people, and I cannot wait to get talking Jets, man. Let's go. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's a lot to talk about. Like I said, minicamp today was the first day. We went to Muhammad Wilkerson's charity event Friday night. We can discuss that. But, Joe, we're going to bring on our, our, our next guest, and it's – um. One of my favorite analysts on SNY, he's a former New York Jets linebacker, and that's Chad Kiskadden. So, Chad, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. Thank you for your time tonight, man. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Chad, it's an honor, man. You're, you're one of my favorite analysts on SNY because you, you're not scared to share your opinion, which, as Jet fans, we love that. <laughs> well, last year was my first time uh, uh, doing a full-time gig at SNY. They were very kind to bring me in. They gave me a... Uh, they gave me like a, a one-week tryout, and they liked it enough. They gave me half the season. Then the next week they gave me another uh, tryout, and then they, they offered the full season to me. And by the end of the season I was doing 
uh, all the Jets post-game lives, and, and a few pre- and post-games. And, look, I'd I, I like to call it like I see it. I'm a Midwest kid, so sometimes it's a little outside of my comfort zone to, to criticize sometimes. And, and last year, as you know, and, and Jets fans know very well, uh, it was easy to criticize. I tried to find the silver lining in all of it. It was challenging. And by the, uh, and by the sixth week, as we all can uh, attest to, uh, I was at my wit's end, and that was the Buffalo Bills game where Geno threw three interceptions. I didn't know what to say anymore after that. Yeah, it's funny watching the dynamic in the in the studio because you have like yourself, you have Ray Lucas, sometimes Mike Westhoff, and the passion and frustration on your face. Even Eric Coleman, you see the look and you see you guys are almost like kind of biting your tongue a little bit, like you're just so frustrated with the antics on the field. <laughs> it's you know, as former players, uh, I had gone through two bad seasons with the Jets in '95. We were three and thirteen and. And in '96, one and fifteen. So I, I can understand the frustrations, especially um, when you're on one side of the ball and I was on defense, and, and we weren't playing poorly necessarily. Uh, and the offense was really struggling. And of course, you win and lose as a team, but when you see another side of the ball struggling mightily, like the Jets have, uh, and like they did last year on offense and 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 on third down defense, uh, you know, you, you have to be a little bit careful. It is a you know, it is a uh, it is a family show, so to speak, and uh, you know it's not HBO where you can let things fly. So you, you know, you kind of. <laughs> I think when you see me biting my tongue sometimes, I'm I'm trying to use the words that I would normally use in front of my four boys that I have here at home. <laughs> Chad, you, you mentioned your earlier years, and obviously you you were a New York Jets linebacker, and you played for Bill Parcells, and and Todd Bowles has been labeled a Bill Parcells disciple. Can you give us some insight on, on how Bill Parcells helped rebuild the Jets in those early years? Because it seems like Todd Bowles may have some of the same challenges now. Yeah. So I was out at the uh, I was out at camp a couple of weeks ago. I wanted to get a sense and a feel for how practice was being run, sort of the pace of play, um, how the the, the, the sideline demeanor was with the guys, and the the impression that I got was it was all business and it was all reps and it was constantly moving and it was very businesslike. I was there with Rex Ryan, um, and, and I got the sense that they were getting things done that they needed to get done, but there wasn't quite as much let's say a sense of uh of like you know hey you're going to get disciplined if you don't do well now this is a new regime you know this is a guy coming in trying to establish himself as a first time um head coach so you know he's going to run it a little bit tighter probably than maybe a veteran coach might but i don't think that's a bad thing and, and you know i I look and I say, you know, how do you say something positive about Rex? Because I, I really, really liked Rex Ryan. I think he's going to do well up at Buffalo because when you have a veteran team, and Buffalo has a veteran team, they're very good on defense. And, yes, of course, they have some struggles at offense similar to the Jets. But they've got some veteran leadership up there. He does very well. And I think what happened last year was didn't have those horses on defense to run the type of defense that he wanted. And he was struggling on offense with Geno. And with the fact that they didn't have, you know, a, a healthy uh, receiving core. I mean, you had Decker, but he had hamstring issues. They went out. They did get Percy Harvin. I thought that was a good choice. But I, I, I was, I was very adamant about Izig's issue with not spending that twenty million dollars in cap money and going out and getting some defensive backs and help that defense get off the field. I was very, very upset about that. And and 
hopefully that came across on SNY as as classy and as uh, <laughs> as maybe less <laughs> colorful than what the way that my head uh, was telling me I should say it. So it's this constant struggle of making sure uh, that I'm not uh, I'm not using words that I shouldn't be using. But I really. <laughs> really felt for the Jets fan last year because you sat there and you saw Rex Ryan frustrated and you watched these guys the first six games of the season. You know, they won against the Oakland, which they should have. They had Green Bay against the ropes and Green Bay came back and won. And then they lost to Green Bay. They lost to Detroit. They lost to uh, Chicago. They lost to Denver. They lost to New England all the same way. You know, and it was just like, come on, guys, what's going on here? You have to be able to figure this out. And sometimes, guys, you just when you don't have the horses to run the race, it doesn't matter what you do and how you move around. It's just, look, you just don't have the talent. And I think that was a, a large issue last year. Yes, Chad, and I totally agree with you. And I want to welcome you uh, on the show. I, I watch you on SNY as well, and you definitely keep it real. Um, and I, I love the way that you always uh, give your opinion, so I'm glad to have you on. Uh, you spoke about Rex and Izzet, and, and this is something that I feel is different here with McCagnan and Bowles. Um, I kind of want to get your thoughts on McCagnan as far as do you feel that he's given Todd Bowles all the weapons that he necessarily needs to succeed because Izzet wasn't able to do that for Rex. What are your thoughts about McCagnan, and is he a fit for Bowles in this uh, franchise? Well, I, I, you know, the way I look at it, I, I saw Izzet last year have chances to go out and, and spend that money on talent that I felt that they needed. Look, when, when, when you draft a kid third round in McDougal as corner, when you have your guy uh, Patterson, who you went out and, and you got as a free agent, go AWOL and you cut him in, in, in fall camp, and then you go and you have your, your top corner, Milner, go down with a season-ending Achilles injury, that's three corners that you just lost and you don't go out and you don't find a replacement to help out uh, a defense, in my mind, criminal. It was absolutely criminal. And as you know, and, and every, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out, Rex Ryan's a blitz-happy defensive coach. He needs corners to cover. I, I can only imagine what he was looking at the TV when he started seeing Jets sign uh, Cromartie, Jets sign Revis, Jets sign Buster Scrine, Jets sign... Gilchrist, he must have been sitting there going, are you kidding me? I mean, you gave me those guys alone last year, and we definitely win more than, uh, you know, definitely win more than what we did last year. Um, I, I think what you're seeing with McCagnan and Bulls is you're seeing two guys who I think are at the top of their game, who have mutual respect for each other, who, are, who have sat down, mapped out how they're going to win. And this goes back to sort of the Parcells way of winning. Look, they're going to spend money where they need to spend money. And I'll segue this, hopefully, for you. But when looking at Mohamed Wilkerson, they're sitting there going, we don't really have any reason to hurry up this negotiation. And you know what? They probably want to see Mohamed go out there and move around a little bit. You know, maybe they'll use the tag on him, maybe not. We had this kid Williams fall into our lap at six in the first round this year. Maybe we don't need to pay Mohamed Wilkerson now because we've got this kid. Let's see what this kid can do. And, and, and look, it, when, you're, when your job is deployment of capital and talent acquisition, you have to give yourself every chance to be successful. I don't think that there's any real reason for him right now to sign Wilkerson. Unless he can do it in a cap-friendly way and, and Wilkerson plays ball, it sounds like to me that they're, they're doing what most – players and agents and GMs do. They're playing 
you know, they're playing the cat and mouse game. Well, you know, we want we want something that works for the team, but we want something, you know, guaranteed. We want this, we want that. Well, we don't want to bust the cap. And I think you're just going to see a lot of that. And perhaps they go into the season not signing them, and maybe they come up with an agreement, and maybe the, maybe it takes that season in order to – it's sort of the impetus and sort of the enzyme that gets things going and gets this deal done. I'd like to see him stay. Uh, I, I can I, – I, could you imagine having him and Sheldon Richardson and Williams and Snacks and – oh, my God. I mean, you talk about talk about a front four. I mean, that that has got to be – you know, a, a dream of any defensive line coach. Yes, Chad, absolutely it is. And it's great that you touched on this topic because I wanted to talk to you about Muhammad Wirtz. I kind of wanted to get your mode of thought on how exactly would you handle that situation? And do uh-huh. you, when, when you look at it going into the future, how, how could you get him signed? And also, what are the implications for keeping Sheldon and Snack? Yeah. So those guys are going to are gonna want to get paid as well. Yeah, no, it, look, you can't have everybody, right? And so you've got this issue with injury, and Muhammad's coming off of a – I believe he's got a toe injury, and I think he's getting treatment for it, and I, I, I think it's okay. But I'm sure the Jets are sitting there, and, again, this is new regime. This is new training staff. This is new everything. Yeah, hey, let's take a look at this guy. Let's see what he does. And then, you know, you got this guy, Williams, that fell to your lap. Now you got him, and, you know, maybe you plug him in and maybe – Maybe Wilkinson's not worth that the amount of money that they want to pay because now they've got this first rounder who they're paying, you know, probably a quarter of what they'll have to pay uh, Wilkinson. And look, what if it turns out to be all pro? You know, then and then you know, what do you do with Sheldon? You know, he's going to be coming up soon. So I, I don't have, uh, <laughs> I don't envy McCagnan at all of deciding who do you keep and who do you let go. And, and I think right now there isn't a reason to make any move. You know, it's just there, there's no impetus. There's no there's no reason to sit there and go, we need to get this contract done because if we don't get it done before the season, then we won't be able to do it. I, I don't think that that's it. And so, look, Mohammed's doing what he's got to do, and he's just saying to the organization, hey, guys, I've given you – I've given you my heart, my soul. I've been a good citizen. I'm a great player, and there's a market for me out there, and, and I'm just letting you know this is how I feel. And I don't think the Jets have any ill will towards him at all. I think they are – they're not idiots. They're, they're, they understand. This is business, and they're just doing what they have to do. Absolutely, and I think that in the NFL, especially with fans, they, they kind of lose sight of that, that it, it is a business, and, and there's times when you have to – you know, do what's right for the good of the team and the good of your business. And sometimes that is kind of, you know, grinding the guy down and seeing if you can get, get the same guy for less money. But I'm wondering on the flip side of that, as a player, how does that, how do you, that make you feel? Um, yeah. And also, does that kind of reverberate into the locker room as well? Do other guys kind of go, hey, this guy's a big-time player. He's the guy that puts it on the line, and you're not paying him? I don't know how loyal you actually are to the team. Yeah. You know what? I, that's an excellent question. Um does it affect the locker room? I suppose it depends on uh, who it is. And, and the fact that it's Wilkerson, is, does it show that, you know, they went out and they signed Cromartie to a big number, they signed uh, Revis to a big number. Uh, why aren't they signing Moan to a big number? I don't understand. Uh, does that reverberate in the locker room? I, I, want, I, I think it does a little bit. Uh, I, I, at least it would for me. Um, does it... Uh, you know, does it affect the person? Look, we all go into this knowing it's a business. We're, we don't go into this with our eyes closed. We understand. Does it still hurt? It does. It still hurts. 
he loves the Jets. He loves the fans. He loves playing in New York. He wants to stay here. I know this about Wilkinson. I know this. He's told me this. But, look, at the end of the day, is it a business? Yes. Does it still hurt? Yes. You can't turn your feelings off, but you can help. You, you know, you can, you can control those feelings by saying, look, you know what? This is a business. I understand it's a business. And, and that's why you have an agent who can help buffer between you and the team, and the team understands that this is also what the player needs to also do. So, again, does it hurt? Yes. Does it affect a little bit of the morale in the locker room or the way the guys think? Sure it does. Sure it does. But does everybody understand that when when you get a chance to go get your money? I Look, as a player, when I saw guys getting re-signed, I wasn't jealous. I was cheering for them, like, good job, buddy. Way to go. You deserve it. I said, but just don't be angry when it's my turn and I get up there and I get by. <laughs> don't be a, I always say, we had a saying in the log room, don't be a hater, be a congratulator. Don't hate on yeah. me. Just, you know, if when I, when I have to go get mine, don't be mad. <laughs> Once again, we're talking with former New York Jets linebacker and current SMY analyst. And according to our, our Twitter account, a major fan favorite. Everybody's loving your insight right now, Chad. We're going to bring up the, the favorite topic of all Jet fans, a yearly topic for Jet fans, and that's our heralded quarterback position. Chad, what is your take? What, what is your take on Geno Smith? And did you agree with the way Todd Bowles handled him by saying it's his job to lose? Yeah, um, I, I think it's fine. Uh, I don't think he has, to be personally honest, I don't think he has any alternative, and here's why I say that. Uh, he's got Fitzpatrick, who's still coming off of a leg injury. We don't, you know, they don't know uh, if he's going to be healthy enough for uh, being a starting quarterback. And I think, look, Gino was there. He ended the season on an upswing. Uh, and, you know, he's he's, I would say, perceived in the locker room as – the starting quarterback for the New York Jets. He's also in his third year. He's also going in. Now he's got a different quarterback's uh, coach and different coordinator. So now he's learning another offense. And they're saying, look, hey, this is his job to lose. I'm okay with that. Now, understand, just because they say, well, it's his job to lose, that doesn't mean that if he goes out there and in the first three weeks – puts up a goose egg uh, in the win column that they're not going to they're not going to pull this guy off and put in Fitzpatrick. No, 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 no. Uh, there is competition at every position whether they want to call it a competition or not. They are <laughs> Belichick said something when I when he was my coordinator and he said it to a rookie who lied to him on the sidelines during a game because uh he didn't want to get caught running the wrong play and he said to the guy he said, "Look, they're filming all the games." I'm filming all the games, okay? Don't lie to me on the sidelines. Look, they're filming everything. End zone, sidelines, field level, drones, whatever they got nowadays. They've got multiple <laughs> angles. they got multiple speeds. They are seeing what's going on, and trust me, they are watching this, and they're watching Geno, and they're saying, okay, can, this kid, can we build an offense around this kid that will get us First of all, you have to get rhythm as a quarterback, right? You've got to get rhythm. Two, can we score touchdowns? The red zone was such a sore spot for the Jets last year. They could not score in the red zone. It was utterly embarrassing. And so they've they got to say, is this kid going to give us the best chance to win games? And, and I hope 
I hope he is. I really do, because I, I, I really feel for Jets fans about struggling at the quarterback position. Uh, you know, I, I'm not saying the Jets deserve a great quarterback, but it would be nice if they just had somebody that year over year they could just depend upon to at least run an offense effectively, efficiently, and with pace and with timing so that at least, you know what, if some intangible spots uh, on the team, intangible plays on the team, you know, maybe a, a, a touchdown from the defense or a special teams block and, and turnover could help them win the game. I, I have to be honest. I went out to practice and I watched Gino and he looked terrible. Uh, he was missing. He was missing guys. He was throwing in the dirt. He was missing guys behind. He was th- throwing overhead. It was absolutely embarrassing. Again, this is you know I, I went there for one day on a Wednesday, you know, two weeks ago. So maybe he's maybe he's a, a different person. But I, I I have cautious optimism for Gino. I am cautious because. His offensive line to me is the most important. Nobody's talking about this offensive line. Yep. Mangold and Ferguson, I still think, are are you know starters on any other team. Uh, I don't know about the guards. I don't know about the right tackle. You know, I think the tight ends are solid. I think Cumberland and Amaro are solid. Are they great? It, it maybe. Uh, you've got three running backs. I think that are very very similar. Uh, they're solid. They're not dynamic. You know, I, I don't see a. a, a I don't see a dynamic runner coming out of there where it's like, whoa, look at the speed, look at the cuts. To me, you got three thumpers. And then at receiver, I think it's a massive improvement with Brandon Mitchell, who truly is a one. And Decker, who who played one last year, but in my mind is a really, really good two. And now you've got, and then you've got a couple of younger guys at three, four, and five, which will definitely help them. But where is this offensive line going? What's Geno going to do? And that's my major concern for this team. I think the defense is going to take care of business. I think the special teams, just because of the the, the better depth, I think you have better depth on this team. And your special teams depth comes from a number of places. It comes from your corners, comes from your safeties, tight ends, and your linebackers. That's who plays special teams. I think they're better. I think you have better corners, you have better safeties, you have better receivers, and you have better linebackers. So you're, you, invariably, your special teams are going to get better. What are we doing for offensive line? What are we doing at quarterback? And can you sustain and can you consistently and accurately deliver the ball on time over the course of 16 weeks? I don't know. No, I just don't know. I don't know. I wish I could say I absolutely believe in Geno Smith, and if I told you that, I would be lying. I don't feel that way. I hope I'm wrong. And Chet, no, you made a you made an excellent point about the offensive line. That's something that we've touched on the last couple of weeks. Kind of like a a spot people aren't talking about. But but going back to Gino, the, the concern I have now is just the overall environment that he's working in, in terms of the media pressure, the fan pressure, and even Willie Colon indirectly put pressure on him with his comments about, you know, yep. we gave you the keys to the porch, now you got to drive it. I mean, in this environment now, especially with impatient Jet fans. Gino could have a great week one. In week two, if he comes out and throws a pick, everybody's going to be like, we want Fitzgerald, we want Petty. Is this a good environment for Gino at this point, an environment where he can succeed? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, no, it's like, dude, the yeah, pressure, I, he's getting, it's crazy. I'm not, I don't disagree with you, but <laughs> this isn't college, and this is the pros. And by the way, this is New York. And, <laughs> dude, I'm sorry. You've been here three years. Sorry. Dude, you better either step up or – let somebody else give it a shot. It, look, I, is this the right environment for him? 
Uh, look, dude, better hope so because you're here. And if you know, if you're looking for kit gloves, and you know, if you want to go down to you know the Tennessee Titans or the Jacksonville Jaguars or maybe somewhere that's a smaller a smaller market, I'm not saying that it's not going to be less tough. But it's New York, and what better place? In my mind, what better place if you want to succeed at anything in life? Why not here and why not now? And and I don't doubt that he's putting in the work. I don't doubt that he's watching film, that he's hanging out with the receivers, that he's throwing the balls, that he's spending extra time. I don't doubt the effort, you know. It, it, but effort and results are two different things. And, and I learned that very early on in my college career under Barry Alvarez, uh, where he said, you know, don't confuse effort and results. At the end of the day, effort gives you a chance to win, and results speak for themselves. They need to put in the effort, put in the time, and get it done. Because at the end of the day, it's a production business, guys. You have to win games. You have to be able to go and say, legitimately look yourself in the mirror, to legitimately have a chance to take this team and go to the Super Bowl. And I I challenge Jet fans, look look at yourself in the mirror and and look at Geno Smith and say, can we win a Super Bowl with Geno Smith? And I honestly can say, without a shadow of a doubt, I don't know. I just don't know. And I'm not poo-pooing the guy as a person. I'm not poo-pooing him, uh, uh, you know, that his intellectual ability, his physical ability. I just don't know. I haven't seen enough yet. And I hope I, hope I see it in the preseason, because if I don't see it in the preseason on SNY, I'm going to lay into him because that's what the Jets fans deserve. They need to deserve to hear the truth, and that is that will be the truth. And I think, and I think that that's what people appreciate about myself, the show, Ray Lucas, Coach Westoff is we're brutally honest. We're going to put it right out there in front of people and say, guys, this is what we see, and here's the evidence to show it. And, and so for Jet fans that are listening to me right now and, and to the show, thank you for tuning in. This is uh, I, it's always a pleasure. I love sharing uh, my insights with Jets fans, but uh, you know, be patient, be cautiously optimistic. But at the end of the day, look, you got to voice your concern, and if you don't like what you see on the field, you, you you boo, and if you like what you see on the field, you cheer. And that's and I think uh, at the end of the day, that's what I love about living in New York, because people are going to tell you one way or another, either you either they like you or they don't like you, and uh, you know, you got to develop some thick skin. If, uh, you know, I was there in '95 and '96. Trust me, I, I had alligator skin. It was, it was ridiculous. It was insane. Oh my God, I would have given up a paycheck just for a win. Oh my God. Chad, I absolutely love it. I love speaking to you. I, I'm loving your takes, and that's exactly why I like listening to you. Because, like I said, you're, you're straight to the point, and you are brutally honest. Uh, you spoke about earlier about you know, projection. And, and I want to talk about Quentin Copel. Here's a guy that we're waiting to see. Has he reached his full potential? Is he going to produce for us? A lot of people are coming out and saying, a lot of analysts are saying, hey, we're predicting the breakout year for Quentin Copel. Do you feel the same way about him? Yeah. Uh, I, I, that's a very, another, another great question, guys. So Quentin Copel was a first-round pick, right? 16th pick, first round, four years ago. And over the last four years, He's had a total of 16 sacks. Now, when the Jets picked him up, they probably reached a little bit, right? Uh, they probably looked at him as a poor man's Julius Peppers out of North Carolina, 6'6", 
270, 275, you know, big long arms, big strong guy, you know, very productive in college. They probably thought they were, you know, maybe reaching, but boy, oh boy, with Rex Ryan, boy, we can turn this guy into a, another Julius Peppers, and it just hasn't happened. And so Casey Rogers out of Miami, he had uh, his, his sack leaders down there were outside backers and defensive ends. And Bowles in Arizona last year, Blitz Happy and his leading sackers were outside backers and defensive ends. So if anybody is going to succeed in this defense, it is going to be Quentin Coples. And so what he's going to have to learn how to do is he's going to have to learn this defense. He's going to have to learn to get off of that ball and do that one quick move and get to the quarterback. Because if he doesn't, the other guys are going to. This D-line is unbelievable. And they should be pushing these quarterbacks out to Clinton Cobles. He should have a breakout year. The question is, will he seize the opportunity and will he be able to will he be able to have a double in my mind, he should have a double digit sack season. This guy should be a ten, twelve, fourteen sack guy. And the reason why I only give him that many is I don't think that that defense is going to be on the field much. And the way that they blitz, I think you're going to see a lot of you're going to see a lot of safety blitz. I think actually, I think you're. I think Calvin Pryor is going to be the guy that lights it up this year because you've now got two two corners who are pros, and I mean top of the line pros. And now you got Gilchrist at safety, who's a top of the line safety, which allows Pryor to come down into that box like an eighth man, right, unblocked, roaming and making tackles and blitzing. I, I look at him as Troy Palomalu. I think this kid's going to be unbelievable, and I think the defensive line's going to help. I think a guy like Quentin Coples is going to help. Um, it, you know, if he doesn't have 10 sacks, is he a disappointment? It will depend because, guys, look, if they're not on the field a lot, it's hard to get a lot of sacks. So, look, let's hope Geno Smith is amazing on offense, and let's hope the, G, the Jets' defense is – you know, three and out every time or, you know, getting off the field within five to six plays. And what will that do? Then you'll have to take a look at, well, how many snaps on defense do they get? How many sacks per, you know, how many, how many sacks per snap did Quinton Coles do? And then look at the film. Was he productive? Did he do his job? Did he run the defense correctly? And if all these things say yes, then you keep him. And if not, time to move on. We are talking with four. What if you could have a career? where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Former New York Jets linebacker and current SNY analyst, Chad Kiskatton, who is lighting it up right now. Chad, you're giving us so much great information. Twitter's on fire. You're going to be the most popular man in New York in about 10 minutes. But, Chad, before we let you go, we're going to put you on the spot just a little bit. At this point, heading into training camp, 
do you think the New York Jets have enough talent on paper to compete for a playoff position? On defense, yes. On special teams, yes. On offense, uh, it will it will solely depend upon the offensive line and Geno Smith. And 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 if you're if you're asking me based on what I saw last year, no. But this is a but this again. I'm trying to be nice. This is a different offense. It's Chan Gailey. It's 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 a completely different regime, and they have more talent on offense. So, can they get it done? Yes. How do they do it? You know, sometimes you know when I when I was under Bill Belichick, he used to say, and you've seen this on the sidelines on certain things. You've you've seen him say this. He said, "Just do your job." Stop trying to play outside yourself and what your position is requiring you to do. And if you just do your job, we'll be okay. The second thing that we always were told by Bill Parcells was, guys, you don't win games by stupid penalties. Stop with the stupid penalties, and they'll give you a chance to win. So it's turnovers and penalties, all that hidden yardage that you see from penalties. And I'm just going to throw this out there to Jets fans. So when you watch a game – when you look at the game afterwards, and let's just say it's a loss, and let's say it's by three points, take a look at how many yards of penalties that they have. And we had a rule under Parcells. Parcells always said 100 yards equals six points. So 50 yards equals three points. And if you've got 50 yards of penalties, if you would just eliminate the penalties, theoretically that's three more points that should be on the scoreboard. And you know what? Typically within a, a season, unless you're a dominant team, and I don't see the Jets as a dominant team yet, you usually win, you probably win four games you shouldn't, you probably lose four games you shouldn't, and then the other eight games are up in the air. And that's how it usually ends up. So how do you get into the playoffs? Don't turn the ball over, don't commit stupid penalties, and you have to score in the red zone. And so <laughs> yeah, are the Jets capable of doing those three things? Yeah, you know, Willie Cologne, you know, he's he's good for one penalty, if not two a game. You know, instead of uh, telling Geno Smith, don't crash the Porsche, maybe he should look in the mirror and uh, say, hey, you know what, how about settling down on the holding and after the whistle penalties? You know, because he's usually good for one or two a game. Well, yeah, Chad, based on your math, I think Willie Cologne's good for three points a game. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, dude. You got to be careful, this guy. I'm telling you, this guy's insane. He's a he's a penalty machine. Now, you know, as we all know, he's 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 exceptional. He he's got exceptional passion for the game, and I really respect that. And I think he does bring a nice veteran presence, and, and he is good at what he does. The question is, as you know, individuals on offensive line, despite the fact that they may be good, they have to work as a tandem. You know, and, and that's my concern is can we get all five of these guys to play at the same time, blocking the same guy? You know, Winters last year struggled before the ACL injury. Uh, they had a revolving door at guard, it, 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 and that was a big problem, and, and that's not fully Geno Smith's problem. Um, and so if you can get that offensive line to give Geno Smith that extra quarter to a half second, right, because Geno tends to be a little slow on the reads. Uh, if he can speed that mental speed up, if he can physically get the ball out a little quicker, if that offensive line can give him that extra, you know, half a count, half a second, you know, they may have a shot at being a pretty good team. Uh, but, again, cautiously optimistic. I, I need to see this in the preseason in order for me to really get a good grasp on whether or not 
this Jets team has a, a real legitimate shot at the playoffs. I, I peg them at eight and eight. I, I think that's a fair assessment until I see uh, until I see the offense really score in the red zone. Because again, that was a really sore spot last year for the Jets. And look, it's hard to win games when you can't score points. No doubt. Chad, first of all, I want to thank you so much for your time tonight. We definitely appreciate it. And like, like we both said, we love you on SNY as an analyst. You keep it real, and you're, you're actually a great voice for Jeff fans because you express our frustration very well. How can all the listeners tonight follow you and keep track of all your, your thoughts and comments? So my Twitter handle is at Chad Keskad, and I know it's a long last name. I'm sure if you type in Chad Keskad, and I did a I did a Google search. I believe there's only one of uh, one of me in the world, if I'm not mistaken. I know there's some Keskadens out there, but I believe I'm the only Chad. So it, it won't be hard to find. And, and on SNY, it's not hard to find me. I'm, I'm usually the white guy somewhere at the end of the row. Uh, we got a lot of bald black guys on the uh, show, and I, I, I love breaking their shoes beforehand. You know, uh, that I've got to put on all this makeup because you know it's it's uh, you know, it's hot in that studio, man. They got the lights up high in there. We we we, we got the air conditioning blowing hard, and I'm sitting there. And we're all wearing suits and ties, and we're trying not to sweat. It's a lot of fun. No, the chemistry between all of us is fantastic. Uh, I love uh, breaking shoes with Custer and Lucas and, and Coleman. And of course West Westoff comes in and he's Westy and you know he's you know he's just a you know, nobody's funnier than this guy. He's as dry as it comes and, and you know, he's uh, he's just like our grandpa that we just love. I love grandpa. He just he goes out there and by the way, you talk about me not pulling punches, man, this guy is unbelievable. <laughs> You know what? And you only hear half the stuff on air. You should hear some of the stuff in the backside. Oh, my gosh, it is too much fun. So uh, thanks for tonight. I, I really do enjoy communicating with the Jets fans. So Twitter handles at Jack and You can find me just as easily uh, as anybody else. And, and and I will say I'm trying to get better at Twitter. Uh, I'm kind of myself an old crotchety guy. I do it. I do engage somewhat, uh, but I'm still old school. I like phone calls, and I like personal interaction just like this. Well, Chad, once again, thank you very much. We will make sure we, we promote your Twitter handle because, I mean, our Twitter account's on fire, man. Everybody loves your insight. We all love you on SNY. So we appreciate it, man, and have a great night, and good luck this season working with uh, Ray and the boys. Guys, thanks again for having me on. I had a lot of fun. Thank you, Chad. Well, Joe, that, that was Chad Kiskadden, former New York Jets linebacker, current SNY analyst, and, man, did he give us a ton of good – he just gave us a ton of information just now. Yes, absolutely. He had, and and that's again, that's one of the reasons why I love listening to him. He's honest and he's straight to the point. And when he talked about Muhammad Wilkerson and how the NFL is a business and 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 how you know getting him signed is, is important to them, but they want to get him right, get him in at the right number. I thought that was huge because, like I said before, a lot of fans I think forget that the NFL is a business and how it works. So for him to come in and just kind of put the hammer down on that and say, "Hey, this is how things are going to have to be done and this is how it's ran," it's just. It's it's wonderful hearing it from him. Yeah, and he, he gave some other really good nuggets, too, especially about Geno. And, and the other thing, too, he touched on was two other groups. Uh, it was offensive line, which we've talked about over and over about the guard position. And he talked about special teams, another area we talked about with the improved depth going to improve special teams, but there's a lot of hidden yards there. So I think those are two points that we'll talk about later, obviously. But, you know, it's, it was great to hear his insight, great to hear his opinions. You know, I think we all agree about the defense, but there are concerns on offense. Like he mentioned, offensive line and, and a quarterback and – you know, today, if you watch the minicamp results, it wasn't pretty. So, Joe, it's it's going to be interesting, man. There's a, there's it seems like a, a year a rite of passage every year. It's the quarter the quarterback and the offense is a concern. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it, oh man, I'm, I'm hoping it gets better. Uh, like you said, we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. And, but yeah, he touched on a lot of things that I've, I've spoken about as well as far as the offensive lines. There's holes there. Uh, when he talked about the two guards and the right tackle just being kind of a question mark, I absolutely wanted to jump out my seat and just say amen because he, he touched on a topic right there that I've been talking about forever. Uh, there is a lot of question marks on our, on our offensive line. And so we have all these guys in here that, you know, McCagnan's brought in to compete, so we'll see what happens. Uh, but th- there's a lot of a lot of questions there. And also when he talked about Quentin Copel being a guy that he thinks is going to have a breakout year, not just him, but and there's a lot of analysts, too, that are talking about Calvin Pryor as well. Yep. And when he compared Absolutely. him to Troy Palomalu, I mean, that that's big. That's big for a guy to say, hey, this is a guy that I can see being a Troy Palomalu type safety, and he's going to be able to get into the box because there's going to be other guys back there, you know, covering, and he's finally going to be in his natural position. I, I, I can't do anything but kind of get fired up for Calvin. I want to see this guy finally produce in a defense. I want to see this guy do something. So I, I'm, I'm excited now, man. I'm excited for Calvin Pryor. I want to see this guy, you know, run, run away with this stuff and really, really take hold and reins his defense. I, I'm, I'm looking well, forward see- to it. Well, there's two, there's two things that are going to happen. The first thing is Quentin Copels is not going to be covering tight ends down the field, which is a good thing. And the second thing is Calvin Pryor is not going to be running around like just lost in space. He's actually going to be able to attack and play in his natural position. So I think that's going to help both those guys make impact plays and maximize their potential. Hopefully. In theory, that should work. But, Joe, we're going we're gonna to go to our phone lines are very, very busy. We ask that you guys hold on. We've got another guest coming on right now. And this is um, Dean Barbella uh, from the San Francisco Fan Club. Dean, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's Talk Jets. How you doing, man? Hey, Joe. Hey, Tyson. Good talking with you. Thanks for having me on. No problem, man. We just had on Chad Kiskan, who just dropped all kinds of knowledge on us. And I guess wow, my first amazing. question. Yeah, it, it was great. I guess my first question for you, before we go into the fan club and everything else, is what has been your take on this whole Geno Smith thing? I mean, and Chad you know, said the same thing, where the Jets really had no choice. It's your job to lose. You know, if Fitzpatrick plays well and outplays him, he's going to start. What is your take on, on Geno and Fitzpatrick? Right. So, you know, I look at uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick as a safety blanket. Uh, you know, no secret, he's got great history with Chan Gailey. So that's our safety blanket. What we all want as Jets fans is, you know, to see Geno get it together and, you know, give us the long-term upside. <laughs> take us to Geno, and we'll know by four or five games into the season, Three, if you look at my uh, temperament, <laughs> and then uh, you know, give him a hook if that's not not going to work. He definitely has a lot of tools now, and I think Chan Gailey may might be able to dumb down the deep, the offense for him. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think he's surrounded by weapons, and, and even like Chad said, I think a concern for me personally is the offensive line. If they have no time or they can't establish the running game, Gino's going to run for his life, and the problems start. But you know, it, it remains to be seen what happens. I think there's there's potential, and you know, I'm I'm more positive than most people with Gino. But we see what happens. You know, be, being out in San Francisco, what made you a fan of the New York Jets? Well, it's uh, I've I've got roots in Long Island from Huntington Station, and uh, you know, Dad, you know, gave me the disease of Mets and Jets. In fact, I'm in San Francisco right now watching the Mets game, you know, with Noah Syndergaard on the mound. But uh, you know, um, it, it just was uh, one of those things where it, it, it's not where you live, but you know, who who you are. Yes, Dean, and I, again, I want to welcome you to the show. Uh, this is Joe. Uh, and before we get into the history of your fan club, I want to get your thoughts on this Muhammad Wilkerson situation. 
Are you nervous? Do you believe that we'll be able to get a deal done, or do you think that it will take franchising him? And how would you, what would you think about a possible trade? So, you know what, uh, all great questions, and no one can really good answer unless you're, uh, you know, Mike McCagnan. <laughs> but, uh, you know, one of the things that Tyson said earlier, you know, the questionable marks are our offensive line and, and our QB. And when Leonard Williams fell to us, you know, part of my gut was like, ah, oh, we lost our opportunity to get an offensive tackle, man. So, you know, when when I look at, when I look at having too many defensive tackles um, and I look at, you know, Muhammad Wilkerson's situation, he's been nothing but the best as far as, you know, um, doing the right thing and representing himself really well. Um, you know, as Jets fans, I think we all want Wilkerson to have a home, in, you know, with New York, but we understand, you know, like Chad said, it's a business. Um, so, you know, this is a good problem for McCagnin to have, uh, you know, if, we get uh, a first-round draft pick for Wilkerson because we can't work out a deal long-term. That might be the case. He's asking for, like, $15 million a year. And when you've got Leonard Williams on the roster, you know what? Maybe our money should go elsewhere. And, and, and when we find out how Geno pans out, that might, money might go towards a veteran QB that's established. Yeah, definitely. I can see that happening, Dean. I'm hoping it works out. Um you know, with you guys being all the way out there in San Francisco, and, and we all we both know we're all both here in California, we're loving the weather, we're loving everything out here. How did your fan club come about? How were you able to get all these Jets fans together, hang out, watch games, and have a good time? Yeah, you know, um, thank God for the Internet, uh, Joe, because it made my life a little easier for me to find our kind of land of the misfits, you know. Um, I was forever in a day trying to find uh, – you know, the Jets on TV, and uh, once went to a, a Bills game and just almost got my, you know, rear end handed to me, <laughs> and that was just the, the Bills ladies. They're tough. So, um, <laughs> finally, uh, it was a Boston friend of mine who's a bartender. Uh, yeah, I, I got stories. Uh, With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to – has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. A Bostonian friend of mine who's a bartender at our bar, which is a really nice establishment here in San Francisco introduced me to Evan Frey and uh, also um, oh, I'm trying to remember Matt Obenhauser. They've been going there for years, dating back to like 2004, 2006. So we hang our hat there, and I was also finding a lot of uh, Jets fans on uh, Meetup.com. And uh, you know, once we got that going, they opened up a new bar, um, the Rec Room, and it's a really beautiful bar. 
during the Brett Favre days, wow, we had like 200 people just, you know, banging the door down, you know, to, to get in there. And, you know, it, it got it got big really fast. When you, when you spoke about the rec room, and that's where you guys are meeting now, can you give us the address and just all the information of where, you know, fans, other fans in your area to kind of meet up with you guys as well? Yeah, you got it. Uh, so thanks for prompting me. Uh, it's called the rec room. Uh, you know, spelled W-R-E-C-K. We affectionately called it the Rex Room for Rex Ryan, but those days are in the rearview mirror. We're all about Todd Bowles these days. So the Rec Room, you can find us at 1390 California Street. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, what is the cross street there. Anyway, 1390 California Street, San Francisco. And uh, if you get lost, you can always give me a call. Is it okay if I put my phone number on the line? <laughs> you're you're a bold man if you do. Do you do you have do you have a do you have a Facebook page maybe like a Facebook page they can go to? Sure, Tyson, that's much better. So if you go to Facebook.com and look up groups, you can find us under NY Jets Fans in SF. So NY Jets Fans in SF. Team, this is I, I think it's great that you guys have the fan club out there. I mean, it's like, as Jet fans, the more we have the show, the longer we have the show, it's like they're worldwide. We have fans, you know, there's, there's fans in Ireland and London and all the world. So it's just, it's so great to hear about all your initiatives. My question for you is, what is your take on, on the, the Bowles and McCagnan grouping? I mean, right now, you know, Chad Cascadden shared a very positive message. Joe and I both like the hires and what they've done so far. What is your opinion on Bowles and McCagnan? Yeah, so I'm pretty happy how things worked out. Um, as far as Bowles, I was kind of rooting for uh, the defensive coordinator from Seattle. That didn't work out, and he's down in Atlanta. But now kind of revisionist uh, history, I'm really happy with Bowles. You know, I know that he's a Parcells uh, lineage guy, and, you know, I like the way now he's taking Casey Rogers under his wing and seeing how that kind of plays itself out. Um, the fact that I got Todd Bowles to be compared to Rex Ryan that makes me pretty happy. I like those guys who love to blitz. And, uh, you know, so I got more of the same. But I think when you look at a head coach, Todd Bowles might really help us get to the promised land better. I think that Rex Ryan is definitely an emotional guy and appeals to the players. But he really camped out on the defensive side of the ball, whereas I see that Todd Bowles is probably going to be, by demeanor, um, a, a real true head coach in the kind of Parcells kind of, you know, mold. And, and about yeah. McCagnin, we got we can't explain McCagnin without explaining, uh, you know, Itzik uh, and Tannenbaum. So those guys are bean counters. Um, it's great to have a player personnel guy for once. You know, when Woody picked Itzik, uh, I threw up all over jetsblog.com, and I told everyone <laughs> this is a mistake. And, uh, and sure enough, it was. You know, he, he probably helped Woody get out some tricky waters with contracts, with, you know, like uh, Revis and stuff. But after he, you know, he did that, he, he pretty much showed that he, he knows nothing about player personnel except I think he was a wide receiver once upon a time with uh, Ivy League school. Um, if you look at his draft, you you pretty much see that, you know, it it didn't pan out right. So, so God yeah. bless Mike McCagnin and, you know, um, I think the fact that he demonstrated he's going to pick value over, you know, need, um, you know, with uh, Leonard Williams, that that was pretty good. And even in the second round, you know, he, he did more more of the same. He got need and value, I think, with Devin Smith. 
And I absolutely agree with you, Dean. Uh, we all know how I felt about it. That he had his—he definitely, you know, had his issues with drafting. And, and I'm a huge Rex guy. Everyone still knows that, but he's gone, so it's whatever. Uh, and you know, he had to move on so that we can move forward. And I, and I love the new pairing of, of Bowles and Mac. And, and you know, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what they do with the team. And and it kind of takes me back. I want to know what is your fondest memory of being a fan of the Jets. Uh, okay, so I thought about this since we always had our little powwow. <laughs> and i got to say the Monday Night Miracle is my fondest moment. Uh, I was uh, I was in Manhattan, and I had to go to a Yankees game. You know, go ahead and throw your uh, rotten fruit at my way now. I was at a Yankees game when I should have been watching Monday Night Football. But it was with the company I was working, and, you know, with the triple, you know, overtime and the, the – uh, Tessa Verde throwing like four touchdowns in the fourth quarter. That was pretty awesome. Um, then, you know, there are moments where was, I think some of my best moments of being a Jets fan was being on the phone with my father when the Giants were beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl. That was some mm. of my best moments. Sorry to say. <laughs> that, that is huge right there. And, and like I said, with the up. Man, with the ups come the downs. Uh, what is the worst memory that you had being a Jets fan? Uh, all right. And, you know, with the Patriots comment and the Giants, I want to say, you know, the New York Sack Exchange days, you know, were pretty awesome too. Um, I, I think a couple of bad moments, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it's pretty, it's pretty knee-jerk and pretty rote and, you know, get in line. But uh, Rich Kotite was the worst moment. <laughs> oh. uh, my dad had me calling up a – um, a local radio show for sports in, in Scottsdale, Arizona at the time to ask about Daryl Strawberry. And, um, you know, we're also talking about Rich Kotite. And that was the first that I really learned that, uh, you know, Pete Carroll had gotten fired. Pete Carroll wasn't Pete Carroll who he is today. But, you know, being a young lad and, you know, being, you know, uh, you know kind of running through, you know, green walls back then, I believe that, you know, I think his record was something like eight and eight. Things were going the right direction. Apparently not. And, uh, you know, Leon Hess hired, hired Rich Kotite. So that was pretty bad. Another kind of bummer I, I remember was when we went to the playoffs versus Miami. This is Don Shula days going way back machine. We had Freeman McNeil and a rainstorm hit southern Florida. And yep. <laughs> Don Shula pulled the tarps, and I, I can't remember the truckster that they had. Guy was north and south, and, you know, our guy was east and west and, you know, all-purpose back. We couldn't do a damn thing. So that was a big bummer. So, you know, there, there's some low lights, you know, but that's a character builder. Yeah, Dean, you know, it's funny. I had I had season tickets in 1995 and 1996. Those are actually my first two years as a season ticket holder. I think I saw one home win in two years. or It was, it was like, ridiculous. You know, you're sitting there. It's like every game, it's like they're leading in the third quarter, and you just knew in the fourth quarter there was going to be some kind of penalty, blown assignment, something. They're going to find a way to lose. It was So I can, I can relate to you in 95 and 96. Those, those years definitely killed my liver, that's for sure. Uh, hey, speaking of penalties, I like Chad's take on, uh, you know, 50 yards worth of penalties equal three three points and Willie Cologne. That, that had me floored. That was good stuff, guys. 
<laughs> Dean, before we let you go, once again, we're talking to Dean Barbello from, from San Francisco, the fa- San Francisco Fan Club, Jets Fan Club. Dean, give us your, your Facebook uh, your page again. And once again, we want to thank you again for your time, but give us your Facebook page again. Sure. Hey, guys, um, you know, if you're in San Francisco or you're out of state, like the Raiders game, week eight, please look us up. We've got a great group. You can find us on Facebook under groups, NY Jets Fans NSF. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Have a great night, man. Dan, Dean, thank you. Bye now. Joe, it, it's really cool talking to these guys all across the country. Last week, we, you know, we had San Diego on. It's just, it's so great hearing how Jet fans unite. They, they, they meet up. They watch games. They support their team and find ways, to, you know, on the internet and other ways to watch the games. I, I think it's just fascinating at times hearing how they, these guys do it. Exactly, and, and that's why I love talking to those guys as well. Because with me not being in New York, not being in Jersey, it, it's crazy seeing how many people are outside of, of where we play you know, that aren't in Jersey, that aren't in New York, and they bleed green. Even when we're in places that are totally surrounded by other teams, it's just, it's an absolute, it's just, it, I love to bring the community together and bring all the Jets fans together no matter where they are and just kind of rep together. And it's, it's always fun as well because different people have different opinions and different observations on a team. It's always good to hear that too. Yeah, no, I agree, and we we want to we apologize to everybody that's on hold that waited so hold, uh, waiting on hold so long for us. We just want to make sure we get our guests on and get their their full share. But we'll go to our first caller, and this is Rick, who wants to talk about McHagnan and the OTAs. Rick, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. What's up, man? How you doing? All right. Um, actually, let me start off with my question: Is do you have a particular player or a position group? Probably a position group, but that you kind of like watching. Like you know, not only this OTA camp to see how it ends up developing. A position group that, as a concern that I want to see developed, or do you just? Yeah. Yeah, just to see how it's tracking, basically. You know, you're tracking closely. You want to see how you're like really, you know, it's a concern to see how it goes. I mean, I'll start off with this, Joe. And my my concern is the offensive line. Chad mentioned it. It's been a concern because you know it's one of the most important positions on the team. And we have two relative unknowns. You, you have, I mean, and that's, that's assuming that Brino, we're considering Brino an average player. You have you know, both guards, and we don't know what, you know, we're assuming James Carpenter's one, but who's the other guy going to be? So my answer is offensive line that, you know, I'm actually going to minicamp tomorrow, so I'll, I'm going to definitely have my eye on that. Joe, what's your position? Yes, uh, offensive line was definitely going to be my choice, but outside of that, you've got, you got to look at the QB position. I want to see if Gino's, or anyone at that position is going to play a little bit better than they've been playing so far. Um, Gino did not have a great day today, and I heard that Ryan Fitzpatrick didn't either. And I wanted to see how that developed, especially with them being the heads of our team. Um, and I want to see if there's going to be some type of a little bit more of a, a competitive fear, a little bit more of a competitive spirit there where a guy's going to step up and say, you know what, you're not playing well, I'm going to step in and I'm going to grab your spot. So quarterback is definitely what I'm looking to see as far as position group, as far as competing there and seeing who comes out of it. Is there a position you're looking at, Rick? Is there one? What's your concern? Well, I, I'm not going to choose the obvious one, so I'm going to go with running back because you got similar types, and you could say, like, Steve Riley is probably, probably similar to pushing, at least pushing Ivory, and then you can probably say Zach Stacy's pushing Powell. I just want to see how... They develop, or they're going to even be 
like whoever ends up on top, will they actually be better than their previous years and stuff like that? Like I said, I just don't want to pick the the most obvious positions. I'm just just putting that one out there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You spoke on running back, am I correct? Yeah, yeah. And plus, I yeah, ended up working in um, Changali's system too. Yeah, absolutely. I think running back is another. You, you spoke on the truth right there. Running back is another uh, position group that I, I'm looking at too. Because when you got Ivory Powell, Richardson, Ridley, Jack Stacy, I mean, it's a full group, and these are different guys. Some of them do kind of the same things, and then you got guys in that mix like Zach Stacy. You got to wonder about this is a guy that came from St. Louis. You know, he was filled. It was filled with competition there. You know, we ended up getting him in a trade here, and he's here, and now he's competing even more. So you want to see what you can get out of him and how he's going to fit in Gailey's system. Uh, I'm wondering, who do you think is going to actually make the roster? If we're carrying three running backs, who are your three choices out of that running back uh, group there to actually move on and make make the roster for the season? Wow, that's hard, too. I'll be honest, you know, because it's like, like they all seem pretty good, and – Steven Ridley and Zach Powell, you can tell they're hungry, you know. If you ever, like, listen to any type of comments they have, these two guys are hungry. I don't think they're going to just go down. They're, you know, they're not going to be end up being, even if they're backups or whatever, they're not going to go down quiet. So it really depends. I'm probably going to say Ivory. Powell and Stacy. I'm gonna say this specifically because of this reason. It could I say I really made the uh, 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 question mark because he's still recovering from the last like updates I've seen about Ridley. Ridley still seems like he's still in his recovery, you know, well into his recovery phase. So he even if he does get it, he's gonna have a slow start. And like I said, we'll see what happens. Rick, I agree. It's going to be a great training camp battle that we're going to follow very closely, and I think it's one. It's a good. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli. I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thing to have competition for once at the position. So uh, we're definitely excited about that. Rick, we got plenty of callers on the line. We want to thank you for holding, first of all, and thank you for calling in. We definitely appreciate it. Hold up. I just want to uh, one thing real quick. Just a quick question. Uh, Mac McCannon. Now, is there, you know, would there be, like, I guess a decision you may reverse? Like, you know, his, you know, for the most part, a lot of his decision was good. Is there a decision that you would think, oh, maybe – Maybe I would maybe done it differently if you know the GM or at least let's say 
is there maybe a person that you think would be, you know, like, yeah, we don't need to sign up, you know, for, like, let's say the cash space, you know? Um, I, I don't think I necessarily understand your question. Is there a person on a defensive line that we think is expendable? Is that what you mean? Um, more so, like, like in a, like, like I said, the whole contract situation where it's like, okay, you know, we spent a lot of money. And I don't know if you guys were talking in a previous episode how, you know, like there's a limit to how much you want to spend in, like, let's say one part of the, um, one side of the ball, like the defense and stuff like that. Now, would you have, like, rather spend it on some of the players that we sign on, let's say, maybe in order to keep some of the players that, you know, coming up, like I said, Mahalo Wilkinson? Yeah, and and that and that's something that we actually talked about last week. And it's like if you give that good money, you give that big time money to Mo. Sheldon's going to want similar money. Leonard Williams is going to make and say four million a year. Say you give Damon Harrison five million a year, you're taking money away from other positions. And the the, the Jets have a luxury now because they don't they're not paying their quarterback a lot of money. So, but the, my my issue is you got to re-sign other guys like Demario Davis. You know, so it's a tough call. I mean, and, and my thing is, too, next year, maybe go for the offensive line. Spend money on that. So it, you're, it's, a, it's a tough call from Academy because you've got to spread the wealth around. And I have concerns spending excessive money on defensive line where there's issues at offensive line and, you know, in other areas as well. So, Rick, thank you again for calling in, man. We appreciate it. All right. No problem. You know, Joe, and before we before we go to our next caller, that's that's the you know a debate we had last week, and it was about okay, listen, you want to pay Mo the money, and you know I went to a charity event Friday night, Muhammad Wilkerson's bowling event, which was a phenomenal event. That you know our producer Kevin went, you know Jets fan media was there, full attendance. Fireman Ed was there, cranking out chants with Muhammad Wilkerson, which was just wild. And you know I spoke to David Harris, I spoke to the Mario Davis, Lee J. Doosable. They're all excited, man. They're excited about the defense. They say it's aggressive. They're going to play fast. But you look at it and you're like, okay, you know, Demario Davis is going to be due for a contract. Quinn Copels is going to be due for one. There's a lot of pieces that you know if you give Mo this money, where you know how much? There's not that much money to go around, Joe. And we have other holes. You know what? It, we have you know the, the offensive line. We keep talking about it, harping on it, but. It's it's kind of like a revolving door right now. There's no set pieces. You know, your your running backs, which you talked about last week, they're all on one-year contracts. You know, Gilchrist and Cromartie, they're basically on one-year deals unless you decide to do something else with them. Joe, there's a lot of moving parts right now. If you look towards next year, if you want to spend big money on Mo. Yeah, and that's one of the things that, that I'm kind of afraid of. And not just that, but we, we spoke about this earlier as well. It's just guys on the defensive line too, Sheldon. You got coming up. You got snacks coming up too. It's like, you know, this this all is going to come down on Mac. You've got to decide. Hey, if we're going to give this guy this money, then we're going to have to move guys. You know, Brick might be gone. We might have another opening in our offensive line that we've already talked about is already kind of makeshift. So it's going to come down to to McCagnan doing what he needs to do as a GM and being smart and being and drafting well as well. That's going to be critical for us, I think, coming up. Because when you have guys that are getting the contracts that, that some of these guys are going to be getting and deserving of, you know, Sheldon, if Mo gets his deal, if we don't, you know, maybe if we just sign Snacks or Demario Davis, too, is another guy that's deserving of a, of a pretty decent, decently sized deal, you know, you're going to have to make some cuts somewhere else. So we'll see what happens. But, man, I, this, is, this is going to be a big job for, for Mike McCaffrey. 
You know, and it is too, and it's it's going to be very interesting in another aspect. I mean, like like I said, we we have the opportunity, or me and a couple of people are going to minicamp tomorrow, and the big story early on is that Dexter McDougal and Rontez Miles are playing very well, which is music to my ears, especially with Rontez Miles, who was, it's just, he starts to emerge, he gets hurt. I mean, I like to see the guy get a chance to just, when healthy, get a chance to make some plays, and then you have McDougal. But, Joe, if you're only going to keep six or seven corners, you have your, you know, you have have your three, you have Rebus Camardi Scrine or Screen, however you say his name. Then you have say you, you have McDougal, you have Milner. I mean the competition there is crazy. And then you look at the safety position, it's the same thing. And now it's like if you draft well or find guys that you can keep on a on a cheaper contract, that's where you get the most bang for your buck. Because you can't have twenty two all stars. So like you said, if you draft guys that are good, you find these guys that you can get at a relative good prices for three or four years, or at least three years, it helps you out a lot. And and that's where you have like with Lorenzo Malden, Devin Smith, you gotta hope these guys can contribute. You get something out of them this year, but next year if you have to part ways with the Copals or it just say Brandon Marshall's a one year deal and he doesn't want to come back or whatever, you gotta be able to fill these pieces in without excessively spending in free agency. Exactly. And a guy that personifies that is uh Mark Blue. A guy that you literally got off the street. That's another guy that's that's in that corner yep. cornerback battle there that a lot of people just forgot about. <laughs> like they're, they're talking about D Milner, they're talking about McDougal, and, and you know Marcus Williams is just sitting in the back going, "Okay, you guys forgot about me. Don't worry, I'll be in the film room and I'll be on the field." Because that is a guy that has been healthy. McDougal is a guy that has shown you he can't be healthy. And, and even though I love D Milner and I, I he's my guy, he's also showing you propensity to not be healthy. So. That could come into play as well. And not just that, and it's not just, not just who makes the roster. It's also the guys you might be able to keep on your practice squad, too, that yep. you might be able to pull up. So that yep. cornerback position, that, that depth there or that battle may not just be over, you know, after, after preseason because there's guys that, you know, could go down. You could, if we keep a Marcus Williams on the practice squad or whoever on the practice squad or McDougal on the practice squad, he could be called up if a guy gets hurt. So, yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's all about managing roster and, and depth and things like that. Yeah, I don't think with McDougal or Marcus Williams going to the practice squad, but but yeah, like we oh, also you have guys, you, but you have like guys like Darren Walls. I mean, and you even have a guy yeah. like Keith Lewis. We 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 had Keith Lewis on earlier in the offseason. Another guy that's hungry, that that it's a good player. I mean, there is legitimate depth there, and it's competition. And then it's like goes to okay, roster management. Do you keep seven? corners? Do you keep five safeties? Who plays on special teams? Who doesn't? I mean, the, the battles, like, and this is kind of just feeding off the question that Rick gave us is, you know, training camp battles. There, there's some serious competition in the secondary. And, like, the one thing is staying healthy. That's McDougal Milner. And then it's like, does a guy like Keith Lewis emerge? Does a guy like Rontez Miles push a guy like maybe Antonio Allen or a Jaquan Jarrett? I mean, it's a lot, a lot of moving parts, which I, I find fascinating, and it's refreshing because, Joe, last year it was like Manny Moe and Jack back there. It's like if you, if, you can, if you can breathe and play corner, you know what I mean? If you can play corner, Phillip Adams, you're playing for us. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and, it's, not, and it's not just at that corner, corner spot either. It's also at the, the bottom of that receiver spot. Cause after, you know, after yep. Decker, Marshall, Curley, and, uh, and, and Smith, you know, you're, you got two guys battling. Because you know maybe we maybe we hold six wide receivers, so you're gonna have two guys battling there. That's another position battle, and it's just man, it's all about getting a guy in at the right price that's gonna fit your scheme, that's gonna do what you ask him to do, that that's gonna succeed and produce. So if you can get if you can get somebody that produces for cheap, you're a winner, and that's all on the shoulders of Mike McCagney. So this is gonna be no, I, a big, <laughs> this is gonna be big this year. 
Uh, I agree. I mean, and you look at reports. I mean, we had a chance to talk to Quincy Anunwa on Friday night. He looks like a big physical target. He's making some plays. Jack Evans flashed today. It's like there's there's names that we kind of wrote off. Like, ah, you know, we don't need them. But you know what? They're rookies, man. And, and they had a rough year, but now it's year two. They had an NFL offseason. They're healthy. They're hungry. They're going to compete, man. And it's like, now it's like, okay, how many receivers do you keep? And do they contribute on special teams? Are they returners? Are they gunners? Are, you know, there's so many different aspects to this that it's, it, there's so much to watch. And, you know, and, and Ron Pickett does a great job of breaking all these things down. He, he's writing articles for uh, nyjetsfans.com. And every, almost every article he ends with is, what a great training camp battle to watch. And, Joe, it seems like it applies to almost every position. Yeah, absolutely, man. There's just so many guys. There's so much stuff going on on this team where guys are literally fighting. And, and that's what Todd Bowles and Mike McCagney preach, competition, competition, competition at every single position, even our, even our defensive end position. After, you know, Leonard Williams, you got Deion Barnes, you got Stephen Bowen, you got all these guys, our linebacker position, Julian Houseware. It's just so many people battling for a spot, you know, trying to make the roster, trying to make sure they produce. It's, it, it, like like you said, every single every single guy that's writing an article is right. You know, this is going to be an interesting battle to watch because it truly is. It truly truly is. Yeah, and even like a guy like Ik, Ik's kind of getting mm-hmm. like lost in the shuffle. And he, I like what I saw from him last year. He showed flashes of getting to the quarterback. So, I mean, it's it's exciting to watch. And we'll go to our phones again. We apologize for everybody's on a hold. We just kind of want to get our guest on, and I want to pick Joe's brain a little bit because I know he's a man of the people and he's got a lot of opinions. So. <laughs> But with that being said, we'll go to our next caller. And this is our friend Kyle from Edison. Kyle, it's Joe and Tyson with Let's Talk Jets. What's up, dude? Hey, guys. How you guys doing? Doing good, man. What's up? Not much. First off, uh, how's you guys doing bowling? Well, I'm not going to brag, man. I'm not going to brag. But I beat Sheldon Richardson. I beat Fireman Ed. But unfortunately, I lost to somebody else. So I did pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that person that you lost to? Uh, another Jets fan. So it was it was good though. It was, we had a lot of fun. They, they raised they raised a lot of money, and uh, it was definitely a good time. I highly recommend if you ever have a chance to go to Muhammad Wilkerson's charity events, they're definitely a must go to. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a big part of me that wanted to go, and I I think next time I can't pass it up. Anyway, um, first off, I, you know one thing. There's an interesting tweet that I always heart back on. I always think about it. It's almost a year old now. Rich Cimini, at the beginning of last season, before week one, he actually tweeted it out on September 4th, 2014. He said, why have the Jets missed the playoffs three straight years? 100 turnovers, which ranked 32nd in the league, a negative 31 turnover margin, which ranked 32nd in the league, and negative 131 points off the turnover margin, which ranked 32nd in the league. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, this is before last season, but obviously last season was no different. It was more of the same. You know, the Jets turning the ball over way too much and not getting enough turnovers. Now, guys, let's be honest. And Tyson, I definitely think I know you're going to agree with me. Rex, definitely a a, a very good defensive mind, definitely a very good defensive coach. He's a tad bit overrated. And one thing that always stood out to me the past couple years is he could not get enough turnovers. He just could not create enough turnovers. So, guys, my question is, Todd Bowles, some people say he's, you know, a different version of Rex Ryan. You know, he's obviously, guys, I think we all agree that he's going to be better in terms of a game management standpoint, at least we're optimistic. He'll bring more to the offensive side of the ball. He's going to instill more discipline in the players. 
we're all very optimistic to that. In terms of defense, though, we're wondering, can Bowles be better than Rex or just as good? And, guys, how is Bowles, if he runs a similar defense to Rex, you know, how is he going to be able to create more turnovers than Rex? Because I see Rex extremely lacking in that department. What do you guys think? <laughs> I want to thank you for calling in. And uh, my, my thing about this is, and I'm, I'm going to start with Rex. I think when you look at Rex and you look at his tenure here, I don't think it's just about the fact that, um, you know, it, it was about turnover and us not getting it done. Our offense was trash the entire time he was here. Um, and I don't think it was just him. I think it was also the fact that he couldn't get an offensive coordinator in here. I've talked about that multiple times. The best coordinator he ever got in here was Marty Morningwick. And if you look at Marty Morningwick, and I've talked about him in the past as well, brilliant offensive mind, had no clue how to make adjustments. The guy couldn't make an adjustment. He couldn't make adjustments with the players that he was given. Not even, we're not even talking about the fact he couldn't make adjustments during games. Uh, so his scheme and his system fits a certain type of player and you have to have those players or he's not going to be successful, and he's shown you that. Um, and then during the game, he wouldn't be able to adjust either. The fact that we, have, we were terrible in the red zone, we have been terrible in the red zone since Rex got here. Um, but again, because you don't have coordinators that can get it done. So when you add that in the equation as well, we're, we're just not scoring points, you're going to be finished. That's, just, that's, that's plain and simple. It's just you're not going to work, no matter how good our defense is, if you're not putting up points, unless your defense is scoring points for you, if you're not putting up points, you're gone. And when you have guys like Mark, and then you go from Mark to Geno, but the, the receiving court completely trash. You, you, have, you got Geno throwing the guys like Clyde Gates and Stephen Hill. That's not going to work either. Um, you know, then you finally get somebody in Harvard, and Geno comes out and wets the bed, and boom, he, you know, he's off. He's not focused. That's thrown off. The offensive line was pretty terrible as well. That's one thing that broke down. Uh, through Rex's tenure, he was really strong when he got here. That's how he protected Mark. That broke down coming out throughout the way. So you go away from the ground to pound because you can't run because there's no holes. So that system doesn't work for you. It's like, where do you go? Well, if you look at Todd Bowles and the way McCagnan has helped him out and set up here, because McCagnan was a way better GM, way better GM than anything that Rex had because Tannenbaum was just a bean counter. He spent way too much money on guys that had decent talent, but he was way overspending. Then you got Izzik. I mean, Izzy couldn't scout anybody. I mean, Izzy knew nothing about the draft. And I said it once, I said it again. He was the guy that got the coffee for the guy that got the coffee for the guy that got the coffee for the guy that actually made decisions in Seattle on personnel. And he knew nothing about personnel. So when you add all those factors into Rex's tenure, you see the failure. You see why he can't get anywhere. Now, do I, do I think that Bowles is a better defensive coordinator than Rex? I don't know. You kind of have to see what he comes up with this, this year. You kind of have to see what he does with his team. So that's still kind of up in the air. But if you look at his past team when he was with Arizona and you see how he used different guys and how he was – he played with, with teams that were hindered by injury. He played without Darnell Dockett one year and was still very solid on his defensive line. He was able to switch guys in and out at that nose tackle position and that defensive end position and use guys – and their skills to maximize their talent. He found fits for his defense. They may not have fit everywhere else, but he found something for them to do. And that's big here. So I, I think that he's a guy that you can miss and match. He's a guy that's going to blitz. He's a guy that's going to find, you know, find your area of expertise, Calvin Pryor, and make you play well at what you do. He's going to allow you to do what you do. And that's one of the reasons that we're, everyone, even the analysts, are high on Quentin Copeland this year and high on Calvin Pryor. But yet again, this is all just on paper right now. We'd have to wait to go into the season and see what we get out of it. 
Now, if we're talking about the offensive side of the ball for Todd Bowles, well, if you look at Todd Bowles, babe, the cover is not there here. This is the best wide receiving core, I would say, that we've had since since Rex got here. You got Brandon Marshall, you got Eric Decker, you got Curley uh, back finally, you know, who I think is going to have a bigger season than Gailey's offense. Um, you got Devin Smith, the deep guy. How long has it been since we had a speed guy, a guy to take the top off the defense? That's something we were begging for Rex's team. That's something we were begging for then. We have it now. And then if you look at beyond that, you look at we got Jason Morrow. We, we got, you know, that, that battle is still up in the air, too, between Jeff Cumberland and, and, uh, and Wes Saxton and, and Kelton Davis as well. But when you look at those weapons, you say, wow, that, that's, that's a big deal. So, you know, I, again, I, I think it all comes into what he does this year to, to see if he's a better coach than Rex Ryan. But I'm not going to sit here and say that Rex Ryan is overrated either. Let's, let's not do that. And this is something that I, don't, I cannot stand when people absolutely dump on Rex, regardless of whether you like it or not, or how one-sided he was, that guy took us to two AFC championships in a row. And I know that people don't like to hear it, and I know that everyone's going to blast me on Twitter, oh, you're a Rex lover, and blah, blah, blah. Nobody was saying that. When we, when we went into places like, you know, into Cincinnati and beat them at home, when we went into, you know, uh, San Diego and beat them at home, when we were, un, you know, we were the underdog. No one gave us a shot in those games. We were going on the road and beating teams. All right, Joe, the Joe, 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 Joe. Go, go ahead, Joe, Tyson. Listen, go ahead, Tyson. Listen, I, I know. I, I, I hear it coming I, I, already. I would, love, I would love to sit here and talk about Rex, but I don't talk about Buffalo head coaches. Here is how <laughs> we are going to – here are how is we're going to get turnovers, our secondary. Todd Bowles has the luxury of having three very good corners – Camardi, Reeves, and Scrine, where he can get very aggressive with his blitz packages, and he's going to send everybody. And that's one of the questions we asked Friday night. We asked all of them, you know, how aggressive is Todd Bowles? And they said, anybody can come at any time. I'm like, Reeves, he's like, anybody can come at any time, and we have the corners to finally back us up, and the safeties. So that's where your turnovers come from, when you have relentless pressure and you force the quarterback into bad decisions, and you have corners that can actually catch the ball. <laughs> Not Darren Walls, obviously. But, I mean, that, that's where your turnovers come from. It's a relentless pass rush that will rattle the quarterback, force him into bad decisions, and you have elite corners like a Revis. That, that's, to answer your question, Kyle, that's going to be the answer. And that's something that they haven't had under Rex. And last year wasn't his fault because, like we said, it was Manny Moe and Jack back there. But Todd Bowles is armed with a secondary that can make plays, including Calvin Pryor. So I think you'll see a significant change in terms of turnovers. Yeah, and, and you know what, though, so – I don't think it's just a matter of just having superior corners because if someone wants to defend Rex, oh, he didn't have good corners over the recent years. Even in 2010, when we had Revis and Cromartie at their apex, the Jets did not have a lot of interceptions. Just go back and look at the numbers. They did not have a lot of interceptions. They had a decent amount of fumble recoveries, but not a lot of interceptions. So, again, I think some of that goes down to Rex. Sorry to say it, Joe. And, by the way, when I heard Darren Walls being mentioned, I thought the, I thought the theme music was going to go off. Oh, God, please don't. Don't yeah, don't don't do no, that. No, but you don't. But just but just to go back to that, you know, the one thing is too is you know we tend to forget that David Harris is an excellent blitzer. Demario Davis, you know, these guys can all go. But last year they were kind of hindered because you got there was like smoke and mirrors approach in the in the secondary, just trying to cover up all the flaws. 
So, you know, then you have Malden this year. Aaron Henderson. I mean, there's so many guys that can attack. I just think it's going to be a dynamic, aggressive pass rush that we probably haven't seen before. And when you have that pressure in the middle with Williams and Harrison and Moe and all these guys and Sheldon, that's going to free up Copels and that's going to free up Babin and all these other guys. And I think, I honestly think you're going to see a much, you're going to see more results this year. I really do. Yeah, you know, I, I'm very, very excited. I mean, just compare the talent. I mean, obviously we had phenomenal defenses in 20, 2009, 2010, and you hope that our defense can be as good as those defenses. But if you look at it from a straight talent perspective, you think about all the first-round picks that we have on our defense and all the big-time money that we got there, in my opinion, there's really no comparison between us and those teams. Our current roster, at least defensively, I think is so much more talented. I mean, offensive no, I... line and is obviously – we were much superior back then, but – Anyway. Yeah, that and that's that's the biggest, you know, like we talked about earlier over and over. It's, you know, we have that stout defensive line. You have everything you want on defense, and it's just still, and, you know, you just hope that somebody, either it's Abushi or Dozier or Winters or somebody can just lock down a guard position and compliment James Carpenter, and, and we can just make a run of things. But it'll be interesting to see, man. It, it's, it's a work in progress once again for the Jets' offense, but at least they have their surrounding Geno with talent and – you know, if you can get the ball in the hands of the playmakers, you have a chance to score points. Absolutely. Kyle, man, thanks again for calling it. We appreciate it, man. Anytime, guys. And one of these games, we're going to have to come and uh, meet up sometime. Absolutely, man. We'd love that. That'd be awesome. All right, guys. Take care. You too. You know, it, it's interesting point, Joe, and I, I know you like to talk about Rex, and I can't stand talking yeah. about him, so I figure we just talk <laughs> about our current coach because – you know, it's just if, if you there's a, there's a quote. You know, like it was great with Chad Kaskadin because he always dropped these quotes from Belichick and Parcells. I'm gonna give you my own quote: If you live in the past, you stay in the past. So we're not gonna do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. You know, I, I I just I just I just don't like when you know people necessarily bash him. I, I think that and, and like I said, I'm, I'm moving forward because he's not here anymore. But you know, just give the guy credit for what he did. You know, and 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 move forward from that. And and that's all I'm saying. Just give him his credit, and, and we can move forward. I give him credit. He won with Mangini, guys. He did a good job with that. Oh, my goodness. And you still partners, You still shot. You <laughs> still shot at Rick Ryan. Still shot. You, so, can, you can't stop. We're going to go to our next caller. And this caller was on a couple-week hiatus. And, he, and this kid, Joe, you're the man of the people. This kid's an emerging star because he, he's just – every time he comes on, he hogs up all the airtime. He shares all his opinions. And then he fires all these questions at us that catches us off guard. So without further ado, this is our good friend Ben, who's been holding a long time, which we apologize for. Ben, it's Joe and Tyson. What's up, man? Oh, hey, guys. So I, it was one week. I, I had to deal with finals. So, you know, I was, I was on a one-week hiatus. But I'm back. I'm back bringing the heat. Uh, a but, gentleman yeah, and I, a scholar. <laughs> well, you know, a couple callers ago you guys talked about the uh, – the 49ers are, or not the 49ers, San Francisco uh, fan club. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of Jets fans on the West Coast. I, I think I'm representing Oregon. So, yeah, they're, they're mm. definitely spread out all over the map. Uh, I have a variety of topics, and I'll try to be really short with them. And I guess I guess we'll start out with uh, the running back situation. I know Rick, he uh, touched on it earlier. But, you know, how do you think uh, the Jets will split the running back reps between, you know, Ivory, Ridley, Powell, Stacey, and, like, even possibly Darrell Richardson – what are we going to do, you know, who's on the goal, you know, goal line circumstances or, you know, uh, passing situations or up by four with two minutes to go and we just need to pound the rock. You know, I, I know it's going to be a run by committee, but, you know, 
who's going to be – is there going to be a guy that's, you know, for certain specialties, and, you know, how do you think they'll split the load? Well, my, and I want to thank you again for calling in. I love speaking with you. My, my, my thing is, who do you actually think is going to make the roster there? Because they have to carry three guys. Because there's guys, I mean, you can talk about Ridley, you can talk about Richardson, you can talk about Stacey, Ivory, and Powell. But there's only going to be probably max three guys that are going to be there. So who do you think is going to kind of make the roster there so that we can kind of sort through it that way? I, I mean, I actually think it's going to be four. I think they'll carry four. And as much as I okay. want to say Richardson, because I think he'll okay. give uh, a different angle, I don't think he's better than Stacy. And, you know, I, I'm kind of backtracking from what I said a couple calls ago. I think, you know, yeah. giving a seventh round, I think Stacy's just better than Richardson. And, you know, it kind of bums me out because I really like this kid, Richardson, but I don't think you can carry five backs and, you know, uh, he, didn't, he definitely brings a different aspect, but I don't think he's better than Stacey. So I think it will be Ivory, Ridley, Powell, and Stacey will be the four, and you know, Powell will handle some passing duties. But I want to get your guys' thoughts on who handles what. So those four would be the, the running back. Yeah. Well, I, I think, and I'll throw this over to Tyson after, after I'm done. I think Ivory's going to carry kind of the main load. I think he's going to be the guy that, you know, you're going to give most of your carries, your workforce guy. I think Bilal Powell, um, if we're saying that Bilal Powell and Stacey are going to make the roster, uh, Bilal, I think, I think he's going to make the roster. I think he's in a battle, though, but I think he's got a chance. Um, I think those are the two guys you're going to see. Bilal Powell might be the change of pace guy out of most of them. He's not very fast, but he's a little bit faster than Stephen Ridley, uh, a little bit faster than Richardson as well. Zach Stacy, the last time I saw him, he wasn't that fast, but he was also hobbled. Um, so those are the guys that I see coming out as, like, you know, pass catchers as well. Zach Stacey, if he does make the roster, is going to be a guy I see as a pass catcher. Um, he's a guy that I've seen catch the ball out the backfield. He's also a volume guy too, though. He makes a lot of a lot of short runs and a lot of carries, so you can get a lot of carries out of him too. So I think the goal line guy, outside of just just being the workhorse, the goal line guy is probably going to be Ivory. The Lau Powell is going to be in the passing situations. So he's going to be your change of pace back. Zach Stacey is going to be probably a third kind of change of pace guy, kind of pounder guy. You give him the rock, shove him up the middle, and he, he can catch the ball at the backfield too. And you said Ridley is the other guy you have making the roster. Am I correct? Yeah, 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 Ridley. Yeah, and I think Ridley's going to kind of fall into that as well. So that, that's what I what – what are your thoughts on that, Tyson? Where do you have these guys uh, running the ball and doing things within the offense? I agree with you. I, I believe that Ivory's going to be your, your, your feature back. That's going to be the guy he's going to try to wear down the defenses with. And, uh, you know, Ridley – I guess it kind of remains to be seen just in terms of his health, how healthy he is, in terms of how much he can handle, how early on. And, Joe, I'm a Powell guy. And the other thing you got to keep in mind is they're going to go into a lot of one-back sets. And if they do that, then it comes into blitz pickup, pass protection, blocking, things like that. You know, that's why I think Powell's going to have a lot of value. So, for me, I'm going to go Ivory, Powell, and then Ridley. That, that's my three. And until Ridley really comes out and shows that he's healthy and can handle a, a bigger workload, but, I mean, short yardage, I mean, Ivory would be it. Goal line is going to be it. But just keep in mind, with that one back set, if they, if they, if they go four wide, things like that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change some looks. And it, it could take away carries from Ivory if he can't handle, you know, re, you know catching a ball out of the backfield or if he struggles in blitz pickup, things like that. So that's something that we've got to keep an eye on. I mean, Ben, what's your thoughts? I mean, that's, is that kind of what you're thinking, or what kind of role do you see Ridley having? Yeah, I, I think I, I definitely agree with everything. And, I, yeah, and I believe Ivory – I agree with you guys on Ivory. He's going to be the, the workhorse. Uh, 
And I think, yeah, Powell, Powell's probably going to be the guy catching out of the backfield because he has the most, you know, I don't want to say experience, but, you know, he's he's probably the best at catching out of the backfield out of all of those. And I think Ridley and Stacy will just kind of, you know, fit into whatever else they need when Ivory gets tired and when Powell gets tired. So they're going to bring variety, not variety, but, you know, uh, depth, I guess is what I would say. But, you know, my other thing is I've heard this brought up, and, I, you know, I don't know how great of an idea it is, but, I, you know, I thought it was entertaining. Since the Jets didn't sign a uh, receiving, you know, back, what do you think about, you know, Percy Harvin did this in Minnesota. What do you think about using, you know, one of our wide receivers as a running back, you know, whether that's Curley or Devin Smith, do you think one of those guys could take on a receiving back role for the Jets? See, Ben, you know where you heard that? I'm going to tell you where you heard that. Joe, you know where he's heard this? He heard, heard it from somewhere. us. Hey! He told you that. <laughs> <laughs> that's where you heard it. See, I, I, people, you, know, you, you like I'll the – my you, sources. You did, there you go. See, the, your source is us. And, 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 Joe, this is something that we talked about in terms of using – we're kidding around, but we, we honestly did mention this – is yeah. using Devin Smith, using Jeremy Curley, using guys out of the backfield. I mean, Chan Gailey is known for, you know – Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. His creative offense and maximizing potential, if you don't have the speed you need, you, you generate it through different ways. So, I mean, Curly could be used a variety of ways, Smith. I mean, Joe, isn't that something that you thought? I mean, we both talked about it, where I think you could use quick slants. You can use all kinds of things. But, you know, I think you're going to – I honestly think you're, this year is going to be a huge year for Jeremy Curley. I really do. Yeah, and, and this is something that we talked about, Tyson, and we, we do that around. Jeremy Curley, uh, we talked about, you know, Devin Smith being in that situation. And this is something that bodes well for my friend and yours, Julian Hakeem. I think we've met a quota for the uh, – oh. For the show, he's finally been mentioned. Uh, this is another thing that he could possibly do on the offense as well. This is something that we talked about uh, a couple of se- a season ago, actually, and, and when he was still playing in, in Marty's offense, and we were saying, hey, why don't we use this green game? Why don't we get our, you know, our quickest receiver, Celine McKean, uh, the ball, and you know, allow him to run around and using guys out of the backfield. And that was actually how he was used in some portions of the offense. It was so herky-jerky and off and on. But that is definitely – uh, a huge deal. And I could see Jeremy Curling having a big year, Devin Smith having a big year coming out of that, whoever else, uh, you know, makes the roster, uh, some of the guys out the bottom just, just coming in and doing some different things. As long as we stay away from that Wildcat stuff, because you can get into that when you talk about swinging guys in and out of the backfield and things like that. But as long as you stay away from that, I think that definitely using a wide receiver in that role, um, you know, kind of handing the ball off to him, a la, like you said, uh, Percy Harvin, we could definitely see that out of here. Ben, what are your thoughts? Well, now we now we got to start talking about Darren Walls for Tyson's payback for for oh. the Salim Akeem. But no, no, I, I, just 
No, baby, We're not going to say no. anything. We're just going to move on. You said enough. Yeah, I, you said enough. You guys, are, I, that's that's so funny because I remember I was I was on the I was on the line. And I just remember hearing that. I thought it was such a great idea, but we never talked about it. That's that's kind of funny. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think uh, using those things. Hey, if Salim Akeem finds himself in a good situation at you know uh, at a running back kind of you know role, then I'll have nothing against him and I'll love him again. You know, if, if that's his role, then then he can make the roster all he wants. And and yes, I, I hate the Wildcats. That's just the the two yard up the middle. It's just it's just the worst. And it doesn't work on the goal line. It's just I, I why do we ever incorporate it? Marty Morton anyway would call it like what eight to ten times. He was just calling it. Oh, the, don't remind me about the Wildcats. But to completely switch topics to the defensive side of the ball, uh, one of our corners, Antonio Camardi, he made a comment about Richard Sherman this week. And I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on it. Uh, you know, he said Richard uh, Richard Sherman isn't as good as, you know, him, Hayden, Revis, and Peterson because he only plays, you know, one side of the field. Do you think there's truth to that? Because Sherman fired back and said, you know, uh, he doesn't have to because everybody else around him is so good. And, you know, he, he just said that's the scheme thing. But what do you guys' thought? Do you think Cromartie's right about Sherman? Do you think uh, Sherman isn't as good as he's hyped up to be? And, you know, who who are your top three corners if – the variety of questions. So, Joe, you can have it first. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Ben. I can't wait to delve into this one. My thing with Richard Thurman is this. Um, that's what he's asked to do in his scheme. So if that's what he's asked to do, then, then that's it. I mean, I mean, he's covered some of the best wide receivers in the league, and I've seen him shut them down as well when they were over on his side. Um, there's very few times where I've watched the Seahawks, and I've seen him – trace or trail a receiver a couple times, not too many times, but he's done it before, and he was successful doing that too. Um, some of the, some of the you know smaller wide receivers, smaller speedy guys, kind of give him a little you know a little run for his money, but he's still a lockdown corner. So I you know it, it is what it is. I understand that it's all about competition. It's all about pumping your teammates up. So of course Cromartie's going to get up there and talk about and go back and forth with guys. That's what you do when you're, you know, you're big-time athletes and you guys want to push each other. You're going to tell the next guy, hey, you're not as good as these guys that I got you know, next to me. Because it's all about team building. It's all about being together. So he should feel that way, too, as an athlete as well, because he should be confident. Um, so that's my, that's my thoughts on that as far as the going back and forth. Um, my, my top three corners, clearly 1A one, one is going to be Revis. Um, Sherman and Adrian and, and – um, Sherman and uh, Peterson in, uh, in, in Arizona are definitely going to be, I don't know where I can put them, because it's, it's like, like I said, 1-1-A is Richard Sherman and Revis, but I, I'm going with Revis number one because I'm a Jets fan clearly, and I think he has better technique. But 1-B could definitely be Sherman, 2 could definitely be Peterson, and 3 is a guy, and I know people are probably going to shell me for this, but Britt Grimes is really oh, good. No. And, a lot of, and people do not talk about him very much, dude. And he is really good. He's one of the better corners in the league. And I don't, I, I don't want to say he's a shutdown corner because I don't like things, but he, he's one heck of a player out there. Tyson, Tyson what, what are your thoughts on that? Do I have to comment on a dolphin? You're making me really do that? <laughs> I, I didn't want to say it, bro. I didn't want to say it. I would have rather have named a person that plays for that college that we don't talk about on this show. But I mean, the guy is good. The guy is good. I, I can't, I can't knock his talent. The guy is good. I, I'm going to say this. I, I'll, I'll agree with you. Where I, I will say 
Darrell Rivas, to me, is still the best corner in football. And I think just because of the pressure that's put on him, the, he, he follows the best receivers. I mean, the year he had with the Jets a couple of years ago was probably the best performance I've ever seen in my entire life from a defensive back, probably going back to, like, Deion Sanders. So, for me, it's still Rivas. Um, to answer your question about the going back and forth between Cromartie and Sherman, I mean, Sher- Sherman's supported by two great safeties, too, which definitely helps mm-hmm. out things a bit. But mm-hmm. I still think he's, prob- he's t- a top corner. Um, I like Hayden. And the other guy I like that doesn't get a lot of, a lot of notice, and the guy that I wanted bad last year was Vontae Davis. That's a guy mm-hmm. that I like a lot. And mm-hmm. he had an excellent year. And, you know, he came like, you know, he had an agreement in place with the Jets, and then he changed it, went out to, I think it was to the Colts, I believe, right? It, he, yeah. He's a phenomenal yeah. corner, man. He, he's a good corner. Grimes is another good one, too. But if I'm going to go to the top three, it's going to be Revis, uh, Sherman, and Hayden. That's going to be my three. Wait, what's yours, Ben? Yeah, I, it would go, for me, it would go Revis, Sherman, and, ooh, I'm stuck between Patrick Peterson and, uh, and uh, Joe Hayden. Uh, I think I'll go, I'll go Patrick Peterson, just because yeah, I, I, I like year, what man. he does. I think, I think Hayden before. And then, yeah, Vontae Davis is the next guy up. I, I, I think Brent Grimes is somewhere there, but yeah, I don't want to praise a Dolphin. I can praise a former Dolphin like Vontae Davis, but I can't, I can't praise, <laughs> I can't praise Brent Grimes. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough. Like the like the trash talking, I get it, and I you know like I understand that you know you know Cromartie likes getting involved in that. And the funny thing is, you know, the one thing is there's a lot of pressure on Cromartie this year. Let's be honest about mm-hmm. it. I mean, he's coming off a you know a Pro Bowl year, and the reason why he was a Pro Bowl alternate but played because of the Super Bowl. And you know what? We all you know let's not forget he had an injury plague season when he left, and a lot of us, including me, were like, I want him out of here. I thought his hips were gone. I was tired of it. He was getting toasted for a variety of reasons. He had a you know, bounce back year last year, and now he got the he got the good money. He's a fan favorite. He's on Twitter interacting with the fans. It's one huge love fest, and that to me, Joe, and even you, Ben, is putting a ton of pressure on him. There's gonna be a bullseye on him, and he's got to produce because if he doesn't, man, talk about a. Gee, I can only imagine how that's gonna end up. I mean, don't you agree, Joe? I mean, the pressure on Camardi. I mean, Revis has pressure, but he's Revis. Camardi left here with the injuries, kind of, you know, he's bouncing back. He's he's talking the talk. He's got to walk the walk this year, Joe. Yeah, but I think he loves that, Tyson. I honestly do. Uh, when you talk to him, or when you hear anyone that has ever talked to him, even Patrick Peterson, he never wanted to leave. He didn't. Um, I, I think that part of Camardi's game is being athletic, is being long, athletic, being able to run with you, different things like that. No hip injuries. I mean, they hampered that. They was they was gone away, and I mean. I'm not trying to bash him, but if you watch his tape, if you watch anything, if you listen to any analyst, technique is not always the biggest thing on Antonio Camardi's mind. Sometimes his technique does get away from him, and that's what gets him cooked sometimes. Um, when he had that hip injury, when you took away the athleticism, um, you see this often with players that rely on athleticism the way he does. When you take that away, they have to rely on their technique, and if their technique is not refined, uh, you're going to get toasted. <laughs> that's exactly what happened there. So I, I, I'm not I'm – not, I'm not afraid of, of, of Crow. I, I think that Crow is going to have a solid year. Um, we talked about it before. He knows the scheme. He's completely uh, comfortable in, in Bowles' scheme. And he had a, a pretty decent year out there in Arizona, and I welcome him back. Um, you, know, you know, and another question I had that, that's just in my mind, Ben, and, we, and, and I couldn't wait to ask you about this, kind of switching off of Cromartie was, we, we talked about, you know, Richard Sherman, his safety help. I want to talk about the safeties on the Jets here. And I want to get your thoughts on our safety position. Are you high on Calvin Pryor? Because we've, we've talked to multiple people, and everyone is saying that this is going to be the year in this system where Calvin Pryor is going to be allowed 
do exactly what he does best, get in the box, do different things. Are you as confident in his abilities as everyone else seems to be, Ben? I, I like the Louisville Slugger. I, I still I still <laughs> kind of wish we picked Taha Clinton Dix just cause last year because he fit what we needed uh, as mm-hmm. a free safety. But, yeah, I, I think – you know, I think the the Troy Polamalu comparison was a was a little a little far fetched, but we we don't know what he is yet, and I I think that's he did play a lot of free safety last year, and I and I really like him in Bowles' scheme. Um, the, the, I'm gonna get destroyed for this one, and I'm not comparing him to him, but when Rex Ryan came, you know, Calvin Pryor is light years away from him, but you know he had the guy Vernon Golston. They're like you know. Rex Ryan, if anybody's going to be able to fix, you know, Vernon Goldston, or, you know, he's got to be a guy that's going to be great in Rex Ryan's, you know, scheme, even though he's clearly a 4-3 defensive end. You know, everybody hypes up Vernon Goldston, and he still has been produced. So I, I don't want another one of those situations where we're hyping Calvin Pryor up. I know it's a completely it's, – it's pretty much a different situation, but, you know, it's kind of similar where people are hyping up Calvin Pryor before you've even seen him. But, yeah, I think he can be really, really good. I think, I think he's just – he's – he just has to slow it all down in his head. He, he's thinking too much because when you watch him at Louisville, he's just so he's so good. And I think he can be, you know, he's not necessarily the same type of a, you know size, but he can be our camp chancellor in the secondary. He can be our you know hard hitting across the middle, you know, ball hawk even. You know, I I really like Calvin Pryor, but we just haven't seen it yet. We've seen flashes of it. You know, not not dissimilar to Gino. We just have to see more consistency out of him. If he can just put that. You know those big hits and you know great tackles week in and week out, and not having you know, you know getting his ankles broken and the guy going for 80 yards. You know, if we can see less of that, then I think yeah, Calvin Pryor can be a really good safety, and you know possibly complete the secondary because as much as we want to say the the secondary is complete, we still haven't seen the safeties. As long uh, when we see you know Calvin Pryor in there, you know I think that's when we'll start to see you know, uh, a complete secondary, and they'll help everybody around him. And, yes, the additions of Revis and Cromartie and Screen or Scrine or, you know, however you pronounce the name will definitely help him. I think he'll, you know, he won't have to, you know, get there won't be a guy getting burned down the sideline and he'll have to chase him down. I think I think it will be a lot easier for him this year than it was last year. Yeah, absolutely, Ben. And one of the things that you just said that, that just absolutely rung a bell with me was, he was thinking while he was playing. And, and this is one of the things that I spoke about as well because I think he was put in a lot of situations, as, and as much as I, I love Rex, but I think that Calvin Pye was playing out of his position. Um, he's not a free safety. He's just not. I mean, he's not a guy that you want around covering. If you watch all his tape, like you said, back in Louisville, he's a Louisville slugger. He was hammering guys. I mean, he wasn't asked to cover very much. I mean, he couldn't cover a bed with a bed sheet. I mean, this guy <laughs> is supposed to be an in-the-box safety guy, He's supposed to be running up on you and just absolutely laying the wood. And it's interesting that you said somebody like Cam Chancellor, too. That's kind of the mode that I see him in, a guy that, you know, he, he's going to cover your flats. He's going to see you. He's going to, you know, he's going to analyze the play. And if you're throwing it to a guy down there, he's going to smoke you like a pack of cools. And I think that's exactly the, 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 the line of safety a that Alvin Fire is. So, yeah, absolutely. Like a pack of cools. Like a pack of cools, I'm going to smoke you. That's old football talk. <laughs> That's old football talk right there. That's pack the defense. I'll smoke you like a pack of cools. You come oh around that corner, God. I'll tell you. I'm going to smoke you like a pack of cools, and I'm not even a smoker, but that's beyond the point. The point here is that, uh, yeah, Calvin Pryor is that guy that I think, um, you know, is definitely was playing out of his position, and he was thinking a lot, and that's what I think 
put him in a lot of situations because he was asked to cover and do things that aren't naturally within his skill set. So that, that's, that's very good uh, analytical skills there, Ben. I wanted to ask you another question about our secondary. I wanted to talk to you about kind of the bottom half of our corner. We talked about this earlier. You know, clearly you got Cromartie, you got Revis, you got, you know, you got Milner, you got Buster Scrine. You know, all, all these guys are going to be starting at the bottom there. Wow. We didn't even say his name yet. False start. You're not really close. Yeah, I, I didn't even say. We, so I guess he played it because you said a corner earlier, so that's what we're doing here. We're just. We're just losing <laughs> listeners. That's all we're doing when you do things like that. But okay. Uh, wow. All right. Well, yeah, Ben, after that monstrosity of a song that was just played, uh, who do you think is going to end up kind of being on the bubble and making the roster at the bottom of that of that uh, cornerback position battle? Well, this is something I have been thinking about uh, a lot. I think that we will – we have a lot of talented corners, so I think mm-hmm. – you know, you obviously have the top three, you know, Camardi, Revis, and Screen. Uh, I think, you know, D. Milner, those rumors have gone away. So, yeah, D. Milner will be here. Uh, McDougal, and then Marcus Williams, for sure. He's, he's kind of the backup to Screen because he's such a good uh, a nickel corner. It's going to be fun to watch him when he gets an opportunity. So those are the six. But, you know, but then you think about, well, Milner might start on the PUP list. You don't, you don't really know. So, a guy that I might include, yeah, probably be a Darren Walls. Don't play the song again. But, yeah, Darren oh, okay. Walls would probably round out the group, I guess. I'm feeling, am I for, I'm feeling I'm forgetting somebody. Who am I forgetting? Are you Marcus keeping? Williams? No, no, I said yeah. Marcus Williams. Oh, you said Marcus Williams? But, okay. Yeah, who, are you who keeping seven or six? I'm keeping, well, I would keep six, but I think Milner might be starting out the season on the PUP list. That's why I'm just saying seven, because I think we'll start out with those seven and then once – uh, once Miller comes back healthy, then we can decide if we want to keep seven or want to, you know, cut walls or whatever. But yeah, I think yeah, no, that that was it. The, those seven will be on the roster week one if I was Mike McCagan. So then, if you if you take those seven, how many safeties are you keeping? Well, I I like Eskridge, but I think you might be able to sneak him on the practice squad. I don't know, but I think I think I if you can just get him on the practice squad, so I think he just gets another year. At free safety, you have Marcus Gilchrist. I'll probably keep oh, – I'll keep five. I'll keep five. So I think I'd go, yeah, Marcus Gilchrist um, and Calvin Pryor. And then the, then the competition goes here. you got, you know, Jaquan Jarrett. you got, uh, as we talked about, Darrell Eskridge. you got Antonio Allen, you know, Rontez Miles. So I think, I think Jaquan Jarrett, uh, Antonio Allen, and uh, Rontez Miles would be the five that I'd keep. Wow. If I keep so, yeah, yeah that, see, that's a lot of. I know that's a lot of people in the secondary. But just keep in mind, Bull's scheme is not like a lot of other schemes. You know, he'll have yep. a lot of those players on the field. So you're gonna have to have, you're gonna have to be beefed up at the secondary position because, especially if you get a lot of injuries, you know, he calls for a lot of secondary players. You'll see, you know, maybe seven corners or five safeties. You know, just it's gonna be pretty beefed up in the secondary just because injury bugs. Well, I, I, I agree with you to a point. And the other thing, too, is if you're going to keep seven, then I think you're going to take away from the running back position or something like that. But the, the other thing, Joe, and something I want to touch on to ask you guys about was, you know, Gilchrist is a pretty versatile player where, you know, he can, he can go into the slot and do things like that. 
does that give you the ability to add another safety? Say, okay, listen, maybe we don't keep a Marcus Williams due to Gilchrist versatility, and you keep an extra safety like a Rontez Miles or something like that. Is that something you consider just due to his, his versatility? You asking me? That's okay. Or no, Joe? Yeah, Joe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's absolutely something I would I would look in and keep in because if, like you said, if he's versatile uh, enough to do that, and you can keep another safety, I. That that would pretty much round out, and yeah, I think you would end up keeping. Because uh, to me, Jaquan Jarrett, Rontez Miles, Calvin Pryor, and Antonio Allen. If if you you know if you move uh, uh, Marcus Gilchrist around, definitely those are guys you definitely keep. So that, that's that's something I would definitely look into doing. What are your thoughts on that, Ben? Uh, yeah, I, I think if 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 we are gonna cut somebody due to Marcus Williams or not Marcus Williams, Marcus Gilchrist. Versatility. Then I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say it, but I think it would be Darren Walls, just because Marcus Williams showed more than Darren Walls did last year. I think. I think that yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna shed a position uh, for Gilchrist versatility, it would probably be uh, Darren Walls. No, I, I mean I, I could I could see it. I could definitely see it. I mean I think it's just one of those training camp battles that we're. You know, it's it's gonna be really interesting to see what kind of player he wants, how they produce, and then the the number one factor is health. McDougal and Milner have got to get healthy and stay healthy. I mean, McDougal had a great camp last year, and then he got hurt. And the Milner's, just, you know, it's that—that's kind of the X factor. But the early reports on, on, on Dexter are good, so who knows, man? Ben, you got anything else for us, or we're gonna let you go? All right, I got, I got one more thing for you guys. Fire so, away. I'll try, I'll try to keep this quick. So Gino, you know, you can't get too worried since it's the first day of minicamp. You know, Gino's been struggling, though, in OTAs and minicamp, and he, and he should be. He should be because it's a new a scheme against this defense. You know, you don't want him lighting up our defense. <laughs> he should be, you know, not being, you know, not be great. But, he, you know, Fitzpatrick has looked better. And I and Gailey came out a couple weeks ago and basically anointed Gino the starter, but then Bowles kind of backtracked that. So, you know, and Fitzpatrick has been in practice basically what we've wanted him to be in our in our heads, you know, just that, you know, Good, not great guy, but you know he can win us games. So, do you think if if this trend continues that the Jets might just pull the plug on Gino before the season even begins? And and when would you pull the plug on Gino for like for Fitzpatrick in the off season or in regular season? You know, do you give him two games, three games, or do you just pull it in practice or after you know preseason games? When when do you think the Jets are going to make this move if they make it, or when would you make the move? See, you know. Ben, what you're doing right now is you're becoming, you're feeding into the Manish Metas of the world, the Rich Saminis of the world, and you're asking questions about negativity. So while some may, while some may answer that question, I'm, I'm not going to predict failure on anybody. Joe's going to do that, but me, I'm going to be, I, I'm the neutral party, and I'm going to say Gino's not going to lose this job. Gino is going to take it and run with it. And if he happens to hit a speed bump, I think the team's going to stick with him. But I think he's got to put a pretty bad string of performances in, in place before he gets the hook. And I think it's going to be at least – he's going to, I'd say if you're going to look for an audition period, I'm, I'm assuming right now he's going to be the starter week one. And I think the audition's going to be at least four games. I mean, Joe, what's your think? I mean, that's – I'm thinking Gino's going to take this job and run with it. That's my hope because I'm drinking green Kool-Aid in June. But, Joe, I think if you're looking for an audition period, I think it's going to be four games. What do you think? 
Yeah, we and, and I agree with that. And I think that we talked about this last week, and I, and I said it there and I'll say it again. Um, I want it to be more of a competition, but the way that it's looking, it seems like it's Dino's job to lose. Now, if it was me, if I was the coach, because I'm not, again, I'm not wishing bad on anyone. Like Tyson plays that crappy song, and then he talks about wishing bad on people. You clearly said that's a bad service today, sir. Um, but I, I would definitely look at it being a battle in in um in preseason. That that's what it would look like to me. Like a classic quarterback competition was, hey, in preseason these guys battle it out. Uh, whoever comes out the best is the starter. But that's just not the way it's going to go here. So I think that, uh, like we talked about last week, and I agreed with, is that I think it's Geno's job to lose. Um, and if he comes out and plays decently, I think Fitzpatrick would just have to absolutely blow the doors off to really take the job from him. And Gino would have to play so poorly that it would automatically be just like, look, we cannot start this kid. But I think they're going to ride into the season with him, and I think he's going to get four games. And if he stinks it up, they're going to open the windows and they're just going to let the funk out. And it it might be someone else's job. What what are your thoughts about that, Ben? Uh, I agree. I think, though, I mean, I'm – I'm not trying to say, you know, after the first day, I mean, he can't bench him. I'm just saying, <laughs> if he keeps coming out here every practice throwing, you know, three, four interceptions and just is not looking yeah. like he's accustomed to the scheme, do you think, you know, are the Jets basically hurting? Is Todd Bowles hurting the Jets by just, you know, trying to force Geno Smith and Ryan Fitzpatrick better? Now, I don't think that Geno Smith's going to come out and throw, you know, three interceptions. But, you know, it is June. You know, there's not a lot to talk about in June. So, so we're just – we're just talking about, you know, he did throw three interceptions and Fitzpatrick looked okay today. And I was just I was just throwing that out there. No, I, I don't buy into the Manish Mehta, Samini, you know, I, I don't like I don't like all that all that, you know, negativity. <laughs> yeah, no, it's gonna be interesting, Ben. Like I said, you know, like I'm like right now we're joking around, but you know, for me, just for the sake of the Jets, I'm hoping that Gino takes the next step because we are so desperate for a quarterback, and I'm tired of this circus every year. I'm tired of all this nonsense, and it'd be nice to have some kind of stability with a playmaker behind center. And we, we kind of already know that we know the ceiling with Ryan Fitzpatrick. We know what we have. And to hear Mike Westhoff say that he looks really old and was, you know, it's just like, all right, he's coming back from injury, but Westhoff just tore him to shreds today. And I'm like, oh, like, not, like just not already, and it's only June. So. We're going to drink the green Kool-Aid today, and we're going to go, go Gino, <laughs> and then we'll come back and revisit it in August when the, when the pads start popping. So, you know, we'll see. Ben, once again, dude, thank you for calling in, and give your fa- – I mean, you have a fan base probably bigger than ours at this point, so give everybody your, give everybody your Twitter handle. Okay, so it's, it's Ben Blessington. Seven, so Blessing and Ton, so tons of blessings, basically. It's Ben Blessington Seven. If you want to follow me, I, I tweet out – Random Jet stuff. Oh, and before I forget, this is a quick question. Earlier this week, uh, Jets tweeted out a thing about, you know, got a lot of people excited because people thought uh, they might be bringing back throwbacks. You know, they had a picture of the helmet. Uh, when do you guys think the Jets could get new uniforms, and do you want new uniforms, or do you like our current uniforms? Because I don't like it in the all green and it kind of looks brown. I just I kind of miss a, a lighter a tone of green. It's a, it's a quick question. I'm sorry. I completely forgot about it, but do you do you like the Jets' current uniforms, and do you think we could get new ones? That that's all, Joe. Joe can answer that. This guy's the man of the jersey. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I, you know, honestly, Ben, I like our current uniforms. Um, you know, if we do go back, fine. I just I, I don't care what jersey we're wearing. I just want us to win. That's all I care about. <laughs> be honest with you, all I want is to win. But I don't care what jersey we're wearing, just as long as we're winning in it. 
Well, I'll say I'll say this, Ben. The um, Todd Bowles has been wearing a lot of those hats with the old school logos and the throwback logos mm-hmm. and all that. I love that look, man. I absolutely love it. The Jets are going to bring it back. I think it's a marketing plan, like just to market new stuff. I don't think they're going to change the uniform, but they're going to be, I think, selling some of the old school logos and stuff like that. And I just, I think it looks sharp. I really do. I like the old jerseys, but. You know, in terms of, like you, I don't care if they were green, purple, yellow. I just want to keep winning football. I, I really don't care. I just, I just want, I want a damn Super Bowl already. You know, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally ben, agree. Okay, thank you guys no so more much questions, for man. We're tired. <laughs> Dude, thanks for calling in, man. We'll talk to you again. We'll talk to you again next week, man. All right, thank you. All right, Joe, we, we covered a lot tonight, man. We wanna, I want to thank – first of all, I want to thank all our listeners and everybody that interacted with us on, on Twitter tonight. Joe, when you see your account, you're going to go crazy. Um, we appreciate the follows. We appreciate the listens. Um, we definitely want to thank Chad Kiskadden, who was who were probably one of my favorite interviews so far, Joe, in terms of just true, honest, and real information, and also uh, Dean Barbella with San Francisco Fan Club. So, Joe, it, it was a, definitely an action-packed show, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to thank Chad as well for coming on. I want to thank Dean Barbella for coming on, too. And everyone in that uh, San Francisco Jets uh, fan club, you guys are awesome. And, and thank you for all the love that you show us. And uh, thank you for coming on the show. Um, I want to talk about our Facebook group, as always. I'm going to shamelessly promote it. Uh, if you're not following our Facebook group, what are you doing? Search Long Beach <laughs> Joe. Like our page. Join our conversations. Listen to our content. You know, message me over there. I will message you back. You can troll me. I will troll you back. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm sure my account is going to be lit up after this show. It is YoungJ000. That is three zeros, people, three, okay? On YouTube, yes, I do YouTube, too. You can see this handsome face on YouTube, all right? It is YoungJ00. That's two zeros on YouTube. That's three zeros on Twitter. Long Beach Joe, search that on Facebook. And as always, people, okay, I am a man of the people. You all know that I care for you. You all know that I love you. When I see you, whenever I see you, okay, arms open, chest out, free hugs for everyone, all right? Thank you guys for listening. I love every single one of the listeners. Thank you for taking your time out of your day to listen to us. Yeah, no, I agree. I want to thank everybody. And like I said, uh, I'll be going to mini camp tomorrow, so I'll definitely give you guys a report. Next uh, next Tuesday, we're lining up another guest. We've got fan clubs joining us, players, you know, analysts, NFL people, you name it. We're trying to get them on for you guys. So we definitely appreciate all the support and all listens, and we'll talk to you guys again next week. You're listening to Let's Talk Jets Radio. Listening to Let's Talk Jets Radio.